Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back. I have David Workman uh, on the podcast today. So he's a firearms instructor. Uh, we talk about that a lot and he's an industry writer, which we'll talk about um, that we got connected uh, to write as well with Crossbreed Holsters and other, I'm excited, David. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. This could be fun. And uh, excuse the dogs walking in the background. I mentioned they would bark. So there they go. So it's life. It's regular life, right? Working from it, home. This that's time. the thing. You know, this past year was showing us that uh, these background noises are just part of this landscape nowadays. Yep. I tell people don't apologize for that. That's real life. Exactly. Exactly. So okay. thanks for having me on. This is, this is going to be fun. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with your fans and your, your listeners. Yeah, and I don't have very many industry writers on here. Uh, they're very unique. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're we're a special breed. <laughs> like pain. I can't yes. figure out photos. We'll talk about that. Yes, yes. I saw some of your photos with your bandaged up knee. Oh, so. it looks really cute right now. You know, people are on here. Look at that. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, I used to umpire high school and college baseball. And so I took you know, like foul balls in the back. I used to have one I had an injury right here on my hand my hand doubled in size because of a, a foul ball hit me. It was pretty, it was brilliant, it was beautiful. So it's not just me. No, no, no. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, working with your hands and your, well, and your feet. <laughs> my feet, I can't work my feet. Oh, I can work my hands. There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, so tell me, David, uh, did you grow up like around firearms or where did you first learn to shoot? I did not grow up around firearms. My parents weren't anti-gun. They just, they were, I guess, gun agnostic. Um, and my grandfather on my mom's side was a hunter but um, he didn't really carry it over to me. And he passed away when I was 10 anyway. So I didn't really have a lot of chance to get to know him very well. But when I was 16, I was in high school and I hung out with some gun guys. And uh, one of the guys I hung out with had a Ruger 1022. And he was going out to a farm and said, hey, you're, are you interested in learning how to shoot? I'm like, sure, why not? I mean, I, I, that sounded good to me. And so like so many new shooters, I had the, the Ruger 1022 was my very first gun to shoot. Cool story about that. I now own that very gun because the guy who taught me how to shoot sold that to me. And now my kids are learning how to shoot on the very same gun. It's down my safe right now. And they have all learned, my littlest one is not shooting yet, she's eight. But my older two who are 15 and 13, a uh, girl and a boy, learned when they were about eight or nine years old to shoot on that gun. And they have gone out with me several times since then to shoot as well. So it is a thing that I'm gonna pass on to their kids, I hope, to keep the gun in good shape and they'll they have a chance to learn on there. And of course, later on, I went up to other things like nine mil and 40 and so forth that moved up in the world. but. To start off like so many it was a 1022. so going back to that uh so if any kid sells this firearm they're pretty much they're out of the family right out of the will done <laughs> done i mean maybe out of the family too but certainly out of the will by all means right i hear so many people that like inherit firearms like yeah i sold that i was like excuse me like yeah, you did what <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like your, your spiralization. Okay. So 16 years old, uh, 1022 is what you're shooting. When did you like, what age did you buy your first firearm? My first firearm, um, actually I was my forties when I first, my first own firearm myself. Okay. Um, I just wasn't much in the industry at that point. Um, I was in other industries and wasn't really much into that. Um, wasn't anti it by any means, just didn't really have the opportunity. So I didn't really get into it till I was, I'm, I'm 51 right now. So give you some context. 
So um, about 10 years ago, probably I bought my first uh, handgun. It was a, get this, Walther PPX. Never heard of it? Ever heard of it? I love Walther. Okay. I'm a Walther fangirl. <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay, good. And it was my first full-size handgun that I bought. And I just, I love this gun. It is but ugly. Yeah. But it is such a sweet shooter. I love my Walther. I now have three Walthers. And I absolutely love my gun, all three of my Walthers. And um, even the PK380, which I love, love, love. And a friend of mine lent me her 1967 Walther PPK made in West Germany. So think Cold War days made in West Germany. That's so neat. That's yeah. Yeah, that's and it's a, it's a thirty-two. That's so neat. Oh, yeah, my fun. other favorite little small gun that reminds me of that is like the Tomcat. Have you ever shot that thirty-two? Yeah, it's yeah, so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So and then so once I got that gun, I was hooked into okay. Of course, as so many owners like, gotta get more, gotta get more, gotta get more. And I say the first gun is the entry drug. Yes. Um, when and whenever I tell my students, my brand, my brand new basic pistol students who are just considering their first purchase or just got it, you have just begun your gun journey because yeah. it will. It's it's a very expensive hobby. I'm going to collect sports cars because it's cheaper. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's expensive, but I tell my dad it could be drugs, could be alcohol. It's just firearms. It's fine. Right. It's just firearms. Then, and that's that has a purpose behind it. Exactly. Exactly. One for every day of the year. So. I I love it. I love it. Variety pack of 365. Absolutely. So, okay, what prompted you to go out and buy a pistol or or do that? Yeah, I, I was really much into realizing that I was having a family and yeah, I, my life was changing and my own personal protection became much more interesting to me uh, and protect my wife, protect my kids. Um, as I said, my oldest is 15 now. She just turned 15 in July. So, you know, she was still young and I thought, you know, I really need to get serious about this. If I really believe in personal protection, which I did, but hadn't really sunk anything into it, any investment into it, I thought I better start doing that now. And that kind of get me, got me into it. And then um, I started meeting people in the industry and got to, got to take some classes. And I thought this is really where I want to be. This is, this is for me. And then, my wife started shooting with me a little bit. She doesn't shoot a lot with me, but she does uh, shoot sometimes. By the way, she won Wife of the Year Award this year. My birthday in July, she bought me a Henry 22. That's awesome. Good wife. Yes, absolutely. So again, as a 22 theme, yes, I, I shoot one 22, but that's the part of the theme. And my son loves to shoot that as well. It's no plinker, you know, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, but then I started concealed carrying when I could in, in the state of Missouri. I've been a concealed carrier for about seven years now. Uh, and so, and now of course I teach concealed carry classes, uh, at a local range here in St. Louis. So I have really kind of upped my game in that. And I always attend classes whenever I can get, uh, instruction from somebody else. You know, I don't have military background, law enforcement background, my, my degrees in criminology, but I worked, I haven't worked a day in the field. Um, I got out of college and then went into marketing and sales and never looked back, but nope. I still have a undergrad degree ever. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know I probably three people in my graduating class who actually use their degree for what they studied. So yeah, it's, you get a degree and then you just do something with that degree. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So you're, you go into the, uh, the store. Did you buy the, the gun first and then sign up for a class or? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I bought the gun first thinking as so many new gun owners do. I've got this. All I do is buy a gun, go down the range, shoot, shoot a box of shells. I'll be good. Wrong, 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 wrong. But you know, I didn't know that back then. Then I learned, oh yeah, I actually need to go out and practice, talk to an instructor who can get my grip and my stance and all that worked out correctly so that I'm not just some fumbling idiot not knowing what I'm doing with this dangerous weapon in my hand. So it was one of those where I, I kind of sought instruction because I realized I didn't know what I didn't know. Yep. How long did it take you to feel like really kind of proficient or comfortable 
just shooting, not even caring. We're just talking about getting, like you said, all of the fundamentals down. Yeah. Uh, I'm still working on that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I really feel like it, it probably took me a good solid two years yeah. um, before I really felt like I'm comfortable with completely handling the gun in a high, high stress situation um, where I feel like I could actually get out of a holster and, and bring it to bear and not have to think about it. Right. It'll just become muscle memory to where I, it just comes out of the holster and it's up and I go do what I have to do. Um, thankfully, I've never had to do that in real life. Uh, and I hope I never do. As all of concealed carry people say, well, we never hope, we hope we never have to do anything that involves the gun in public. Yeah. But um, I feel like I probably, you know, at least, at least mechanically wise could do it. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, the two years goes by. Um, mm -hmm. And then the concealed carry permits, like you said, you have your why, you know your why. When you went and took that, like you have a class, right, for your state to take. We do. Yeah. So that requirement, I want to know, like, was your experience a good experience going through that class? Or were you learning that, like, there's other instructors that can teach me better things? No, I had a really good experience. Good. Um, the guy who taught me, it was, was going to be, uh, it was going to be five people, four of them dropped out. So it was actually a personal, personal lesson the day I went, which is fantastic. It was this guy's house. It was about 30 minutes away, and he's a certified instructor, has been for a long time, had some military background too, so he was not new to guns. He was experienced, yeah. and um, it was in his living room, and he had taught for years uh, with his class. Now, we had had, at that point, I guess Missouri had had concealed carry for four or five years with permit at that point, Missouri had. Um, in fact, it was funny, I, went through, I was going through Facebook memories earlier today, and on this day, five years ago, Missouri had constitutional carry. Hey. How cool is that? Yeah. We were the 11th state. Um, but anyway, so back to my class. So Rick was great. He was fantastic. Um, and I did learn a lot of things, but there was also a lot of just the law stuff. I had no idea what it was all about. Gun-wise, I understood all that, how to point shoot, all that. Um, and then I qualified. It was so funny because not to brag too much, but in, in Missouri, you shoot 40 rounds. Your first 20 rounds don't count. They go to a practice target just to get you used to being down the range and just warmed up and, and not a cold barrel. And then your last 20 rounds, you have to get 15 out of 20 into a B27 silhouette. Who can't do that? By the way, seven yards. So, I mean, you there can't do that. I yeah. It, oh, I know there are. I teach a class. <laughs> um, but with a 22. Yeah. So I put my first 10 rounds into the center X. And he said, yeah, you'll, you'll pass it. I went ahead and finished the, the magazine of you know, the other 10 rounds, yep. but um, it was super simple. And he had a fire range set up in his garage. He was pretty cool. He lives in a rural area. So he could open his garage door and then of course, concrete backing behind the target and rubber behind, you know, between the target and the, and the uh, wall. So it was great, yeah. but uh, so it was a good experience. And, and I learned so much about um, not just the legal side of things, but the decision-making side. And this is something I talk about with my concealed carry class all the time is this is just an education class. It's not training. Yep. This is just simply to know what Missouri statutes tell you about what you can and cannot do with a gun, where you can and cannot go, what you legally can and cannot do, what, what's defensive property versus defensive person, um, stand your ground, castle doctrine, all that stuff. I said, but then take all your knowledge and go to the range and now work on your skills yep. because that's where the skills and training come into it. And he did a good job of, of taking us through some scenarios, which I still use in my classes, by the way, decision-making scenarios. You're, you're, you're thrust into this situation. What can you do? What should you do? What are you allowed to do? What maybe you shouldn't do? And make the class think about these things. Because a lot of it, this is your greatest weapon. 
between your ears. And your gun should be the last thing you ever bring to bear on any of that. So I teach a lot about concealed carry instruction with my decision making. Yeah, yeah, especially when uh, like, well, when's the right time? I'm like, well, you're gonna know it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be obvious when it's the time to actually take that action. Yeah, you know, when that OODA loop says decision, yes, action, go. Yep, yep, absolutely. I know we've kind of gone on a different trail. And I want to come back to that in a second. So yeah. We took the, the class, we learned like the laws, like you said, um, which is the bulk of those classes. It's definitely not a training class. Um, right. After that, like what classes did you sign up for? What did you learn? Did you have any instructors that we've heard of that you took classes from or what did that look like? Um, well, I took some classes from Jerry Mitchluck. <laughs> heard of <Yeah>. him. <laughs> so fast, fast forward a couple of years, I started working for Proper International, which is a uniform company here in the local area of St. Louis. And that's where I really started to get into the industry. That's when I really started to get some of the, the top names. I was able to make some connections with the industry. And Jerry became one of our brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And so I was invited down with, along with four other people to his place outside Shreveport to go shooting with Jerry one day, actually for a weekend, Labor Day weekend, I think it was three or four years ago. And of course, we all know he, how, he, like, how fantastic he is and how wonderful he is. And, and if you ever met him, you ever met him? Oh God, yeah, a million times. Okay. I was talking about this on the last podcast. He's been at Altus Range in Florida just for the day. Like, hey Jerry, multi oh. Hey Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you. cool. Hi. So you know, so you know how laid back he is. Yeah, just, he is about as non-celebrity as a celebrity can get. He yep. couldn't care less about his celebrity status. His wife Kay is just as laid back as he is. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic people. You would never know if you met him on the side of the road who he was. Yeah, right? no. unless he was wearing his NASCAR jersey. In right, background hanging out. Yeah, if you talk to yeah. him. Yeah, cool. totally approachable. Totally fantastic. Well, he. He was teaching this, this, these four guys who won a contest with our company to go down and shoot with him. And I was just there as the, as the company representative. I wasn't even doing anything. I wasn't going to shoot a single shot. <laughs> and so we get to the final stage and Kay says to me, don't you shoot competitively on the side? I'm like, well, yeah, I do some IDPA shooting on the side. Says, you should shoot the stage. Like, oh, okay. And I didn't bring any guns with me. I'd have to shoot Jerry's gun. Oh, darn. Um, and yeah. And so I, my claim to fame is I finished second place behind Jerry Mitchell. Now that's not the entire truth. I did, but it's only because I beat the other four guys. <laughs> it was a stage where all six of us shot it. The other four guys were close, neck and neck and neck. And then I came in and barely beat them. And then Jerry smoked us all. Of course, of course. That's cool. So, yeah, it was like, we all did it in like 20, 25 seconds. He did it in 14. What, so it was just. Is this the Smith and Wesson days or, or what? What gun? Smith and Wesson. Yeah. And so, he, so Mossberg with the shotgun, yep. the M&P, and the uh, 22 AR they have, you know, they, they put that AR-22 that Smith & Wesson puts out. So, yeah. and I can tell you from experience that Jerry does not do trigger jobs on his guns. Okay, okay. Because I have felt those triggers, and they are full factory weight. Interesting. He's just that good. Yeah, no, we know that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So, and I hadn't shot a shotgun in years, and obviously puts it on a hand, and I had to shoot six shots hit a popper, hit the shot, hit the seventh shot on the popper, or eighth shot, I guess, on the popper coming up. And I did it, but I did it, I clipped it. But we used one ounce load. So it wasn't, I wasn't like it was a hard shot to make. But yeah, so my claim to fame is I finished second place by Jerry Mitchell. And I leave it at that. Make people wonder what, what I mean by that. Yeah, nobody ever asks. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Two out of two, yeah. Right, yeah, two out of two, yeah. All my friends out on that all the time. Okay, so we did we did the Jerry class, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so I've also done, I did a concealed carry class, which was awesome. Not not learning how to conceal, not learning how to, the legal side of it, but um, concealed carry in unusual positions. Uh, David Spire, who's a St. Louis County police officer here and also an Army Reservist and a trainer, 
he and his brother own Spider Training School, their local company here. And he did a great class all day in the middle of hot June. So Missouri is just sweating like crazy, but a fantastic class on shooting from unconventional positions from concealed carry. And we did things like you get, you're, you're outside your car and they had, we had a little uh, fake car right there and you get in a gunfight, you've got to figure out con- cover, concealment, and how to engage under the car, over the car, around the car, on targets, live fire. Um, and then you're knocked, you're knocked on your rear and you got to figure out how to get the gun out or your shooting arm has been disabled, it's been shot and wounded, but your gun hasn't gotten out of, a, out of this uh, holster yet. How do you get it out and get that gun engaged in, in battle? And then how do you reload? <laughs> and so we did some of those things mm-hmm. about unconventional techniques about you got to unload on or you reload on the boot or you yep. you you rack on the belt or you're on the, the holster SAS, like sites that are inside the slide are not not conducive to that yeah you, they're useless i mean they're good for sighting but if they're but if you have to use them for anything else that's just smooth yep. you need that or dot to yeah move this move the slide on <laughs> yeah exactly so but but that was a great class um Took a class from Kevin Dixie. I don't know if you know Kevin or not. But Kevin Dixie is a fantastic guy. He owns no other choice firearms training out of Atlanta, although he was from St. Louis originally. Okay. That's where I got to know him was when he was here. Um, he was teaching us at the range um, right before I left, or before I got there, he left. But uh, his wife took a job in Atlanta, so he went down there and moved all of his business down there. But Kevin is an awesome brand ambassador um, for the just the 2A movement overall, an incredible ambassador for that. Um, he and Colleen Noir are good friends. Uh, and and the way he puts it is like I'll, I'll probably won't get this quote exactly right. I am the inconvenient black pro two A person. <laughs> it's something like that because he's like I don't think this, I'm not stereotypical at all. Yeah. So the way he puts it. So uh, I think Kevin's awesome. But I've taken several classes, including some AR rifle classes with him. Cool. Um, he has some friends out here in Desoto, which is about an hour south of where I live in Jefferson County, which uh, they let him let him use his their farm. And he uh, sets up his camp there. And we had a two-day rifle class and pistol class, which was just phenomenal. It was fantastic. So I try to take a class every year if possible. I don't always get to one every year, but I try to take at least one class, if not two, uh, every year from reputable uh, people. I took a class from Chris Costa a while back. Um, that, was, that was fun. That was great over in Columbia. Um, CMMG hosted that. They're a Missouri company. Yeah, yeah. You've got a lot in Missouri, actually. Yeah, we got a ton. Midway USA is here. CMMG is here. Crossbreed Holsters. Yes, Crossbreed Holsters is a Missouri company. Um, but for those not familiar, yes, that's how, my, that's how I know Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Which we were connected before that, and it was just the, the awesome community yeah. connection. But yeah, and then I was like, you know what? We'll get into that. I want to tell that story. That was exciting. Okay. <laughs> okay. All but, right. Um, more to your point, a couple of things that, that I love that people should be listening. Um, vet your instructors, ask your instructors, hey, what classes have you taken? Um, how are your certifications up to date? Not just your certifications, but how many rounds do you shoot a year? How many cl- uh, classes do you teach? How many matches do you shoot? Um, but like continuing education is huge. The biggest thing that I see people fail on is standpoint shoot at paper and do yes. nothing else, right? Um, we're lucky, like our range and our private places, like you can actually film it in your vehicle and learn to shoot out the window. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we have like one of the things about St. Louis County where I am is it's overpopulated. You can't, yeah. there's no outdoor ranges. Yeah. You have to go to one of the neighboring counties to get an outdoor range. We wish our range that where I teach was outdoors, but it's not. We wish we had an outdoor and indoor, but we just don't. And of course, indoor ranges, you hardly ever get to do fun stuff like draw from a holster or do weird things like you're talking about that would be so beneficial to so many people, but you just can't do it. And as a result, they don't even know they can do it or know they should do it. And 
it's a skill set that just doesn't get worked on. Yeah, yeah. The joke in, in Tennessee is that everyone drives players in their backyard with no fences. It's just free. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. So yeah, that, that's awesome though. And I want to talk more about that when we get into like us teaching classes and stuff. So yeah. Um, okay, so going back to when you got your permit, um, mm-hmm. I want you to share a little bit what changed maybe about you or your mindset or whatever when you strapped a gun on and went out in public for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. So with so as the case with so many concealed carriers, first timers, I thought I had a neon sign on me. And everybody thinks they do. This guy's got a gun. It's right there on his waistband. Everybody thinks that they have flashing neon lights that says I carry a gun. Truth of the matter is 99% of people have no idea. Not a clue. Um, if you do it right, you know, the old adage, if, if they know you're concealing, you're doing it wrong. So that was kind of the way I looked at it. But I felt a, a definite sense of, of more responsibility because not only would I feel more secure because I had a, a tool with which to defend myself beyond just my brain and my, able to, my ability to run, but I felt like that if I ever had to pull this gun out, there's a lot more at stake. There's a lot more going on if I need to pull this gun out for any reason. And when I would go somewhere with my family, for example, I really was very conscious of my surroundings, very conscious of where I stood, where they were, um, and making sure that they were all protected, make sure we were all together, and really looking way out in front of me as we walk, as we walk someplace, making sure that I'm not walking into a trap. Am I walking into something that I shouldn't be walking into and endangering my, myself and others? And it just becomes a whole different mindset. And it came a mindset change for me of from being a casual citizen to being a, a protecting citizen and a protective citizen to where I understood the impact of what I was doing if I had a gun on me um, and, and the consequences of if I had to ever use it. And, and it made me think more about walking into situations. Is this situation I should even be in in the first place? Or can I get out of this situation and I began to, began to think more like a criminal in the sense of what would I do if I were a bad guy, what would I do? And therefore I should not do that um, kind of thing, or I shouldn't go over there. Obviously I shouldn't go to that dark alley, but even someplace as obvious of, okay, there's a crowd over the left. Maybe I shouldn't go over where the crowd is because that's an ambush situation or a potential situation I can't get out of because there are other people around me. So if I should hang out to the perimeter, that kind of thing. Um, where I would sit in a room or a restaurant changed completely. Um, it was so funny because a, a cop friend of mine and I were out to dinner one night and he had the same mindset I do. And the only place that we could sit, one of us had a back to the door yep. and I was the one who was faster to the, to the better position. And Rich was like, you're killing me. You're killing me. I can't sit here. I said, don't worry. I'll let you know if you need to put your gun out or not. If you see, yeah, I said, if you see me draw, you probably should too. Yeah. <laughs> like do you want this seat i'm like you know i want that seat or absolutely yeah else we fight over the position <laughs> yeah so now when i go out to dinner with my family they all know i'm sitting facing the door mm-hmm. no question asked yeah yeah and, and that's pretty cool i think the the other thing too i'm sure that you did this is you probably thought about home defense as well and like having a family oh yeah like did you just yeah. that you know in the house uh what, who would call 911 or who would shoot or where would the kids go right like all of that had to change Absolutely. And so, for example, in our house, we have a perfect layout for a tackle defense in our house, which we didn't look for it when we bought it. We just it happened to be the house we bought. But all the bedrooms are on one end of the house. Okay. And they're all aligned. So, and it's like an L shape. So, if anything happened, my our master bedroom is a situation where I can look through the door and see all the way to the other end of the house. Okay. And the kids are all to the right. So, I would, if I had a clear plan of shot, I would see it. I would, I would see that person coming in. 
and have that clear line without worry about endangering anybody. Uh, right. So it's kind of cool. And I, I do keep a safe under the bed with the loaded Glock 17 and a flashlight in there because if it happens at night, I got to see what I'm doing. So I got to have a flashlight and of course spare magazine because that's who didn't carry, doesn't have a spare magazine, right? You should always have one. Yep. Not only because you might run out of ammo, but your gun could jam and you end up stripping that out. You've got to bring the other ammo or other ammunition uh, into bear. But anyway, so I absolutely completely thought about if somebody broke in, what we do. And I've rehearsed it with the kids we've talked about. And what, what would happen if, if something, somebody came in the back window or the back door versus the one I think they're going to come in, which would be the most advantageous for them and also for me, but they don't know that, um, to come in. And I thought about who goes where and what do you do? And, and my wife would be the one who would call 911 because I'm too busy um, <laughs> taking care of whatever taking care of. And, and uh, thankfully, we never even come close. We live in an area that most people don't even realize exists because we're kind of in this little cove of the county that most people never go in. And we live in a cul-de-sac. So right. I know everybody who comes up and down the street because the four people, four families who live here, we all know each other. So it's kind of sweet. Um, but crime can happen anywhere. And it could be that somebody all of a sudden discovers this little street that nobody's ever heard of and wants to go come rob us. That's, that's why I carry a gun all the time. Yeah. Um, I also thought about, I have this fitness routine now, even though I have a lot of weight to still lose, I started a fitness routine about a year and a half ago when the whole COVID stuff happened, when nobody was going anywhere. Um, I live right by this major corporation here that has a campus that's completely closed. And so I, took, I would take a walk. I still do this almost every morning, a three mile walk. Well, it's very densely, or it's um, sparsely populated. Okay. But I thought, well, there's woods, there's bushes, there's trees, there's some, so I can ambush me. So I always carry a gun with me under my athletic gear. Yeah. Use, sometimes in a crossbreed uh, belly band, sometimes in something else. And it's my, it's my shield, which is my everyday carry gun. And I always have this mindset of, yes, I'm going to go about my life as normal, but something could happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah so it, there's a long-winded answer to, yes, lots of things changed. My mindset changed completely. And I began to think about things I never would have previous to that. Yeah, no, I want to hear the long story. That's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> I want to hear like, okay, so the other thing that changed, right? Okay, for, first couple of weeks, we're going back to, yeah, flashing sign. I'm carrying, I'm carrying. Yeah. Um, how, how much time did it take for you? And I know everyone's kind of different to find a holster that worked, find a position that worked, find a gun that worked, like all of the things. What did you go through? Oh, yeah. So I made the typical mistake of every new concealed carry person makes. I, made, I bought a micro pistol. Um, I bought a Smith and Wesson bodyguard 380. Don't ever buy that gun. I still have it because I have, I can't, I can't get rid of a gun, but I haven't fired it in years. Okay. Um, it's a horrible, horrible gun. Now I love my Smith and Wesson shield. So, but I got the, I got the bodyguard. I carried it for a while. and I thought, I don't like this gun. I really don't like it. So I had been looking for other guns and I had it narrowed down between a Walther CCP or a Smith and Wesson shield. I wasn't sure which one because they're about the same price range, about the same size, both nine millimeter. Because the Walther just came out in nine millimeter. It was it was a three eighty originally. But they just oh, caught nine millimeter. The nine mil from CCP right there. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I love that gun. That bro. soft recoil system. I love the soft recoil. It's so sweet. Um, but I was in a gun store on a, on lunch break one day, <laughs> and a local gun store. And I was looking over this, the wall was was full of the shields. Oh, good, 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 good. And they're all about the same price. And there's one at the bottom that was 300 bucks. So wait, that's way lower than the rest of them, like, like 400, 450, which is about retail price for a shield. So I asked the guy, I said, what's the story behind that one? 
And he said, that is a slightly used gun. I said, define slightly. He said, they've had two magazines shot through it. What? But we can't, but we can't sell it as new. So the story was this lady had bought that gun because she'd just gotten her permit and the gun she had used to qualify was the instructor's shield, which of course was nice, nicely broken in. Right. And she didn't think about that. So she wanted to get a gun just like that. She bought the shield, didn't like it after all, yep. returned it to the store. And now they had this as a used one. I said, this is 300 bucks. She said, yeah, that plus tax, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I went in there looking, just, I was just gonna look. <laughs> I was still in that decision-making process between Walther, Smith and West, I wasn't sure. I took it immediately. And that's my everyday carry for, for six years. Awesome. Okay. So, so ask me this, if, if I had a, a used gun for sale, <laughs> how yep. many rounds do you think that would have through it? If you had a used gun for sale, you'd probably have at least 10,000 rounds through it. <laughs> Minimum. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. But, um, but it's still under factory warranty. Yeah, cylinder warranty. A lot of, I mean, I was remembering my PPK Walther. It was a used gun, actually. So I was not the original owner. Um, the actual decocker broke off in the gun, and they fixed oh. it, replaced it for free, shipped it back within like I don't even know four days of me sending it off. It was insanely fast. So that was the other thing is is looking at guns. Um, so many people don't know to look at the manufacturer's warranty and look at is it for the original buyer? Is it for lifetime? All of right. that. Right? Or aftermarket parts too, and after support holsters. I mean, you don't want some elusive firearm <laughs> that nobody supports. Yeah, and I talk with my, my students about this all the time too, because I, I tell them, you know, buying a gun is a very personal decision. Um, you, there's not one gun fits all, or else we'd all have the same gun, and there just isn't one. It, it, the size uh, is different, the grip is different, the capacity is different, depends how, how you want to carry it, how you want to conceal it. It's very, very personal. And I always tell them, when you buy a gun, whatever that gun is, gun X, look at can you get a holster for it? Can you replace the sights if they break? Or do you just want to upgrade the sights? Um, can you add grips to it if you decide to change the grips? Can you, what, how much aftermarket support, to your point, how much aftermarket support is there for this gun? If it's a gun that's kind of obscure, um, are you going to have three options or holsters as opposed to 38 options for somebody else, for, for some, a Smith & Wesson something or a, a Walt or something or a, a H&K or whatever? Um, and look at all of those things as you decide what you're going to get. And, and we have at our range 70 or 75 rental guns downstairs people can shoot to yep. try out what they want to get. And I always tell people, if you're not sure what you want to get, come back on one of these days and go shoot some downstairs. Narrow it down to two or three options that you think are great guns. We probably have them downstairs. Mm -hmm. um, go down and shoot a box and see what you think about it. Try it out as you think you would in real life. And if you like it, great. Now you know. If you don't, check it off your list. Yeah, uh, but it's very personal. Yeah, I get so sad when people try something or buy something because someone said to buy it, and now they hate it. And and newer owners, you know, I don't want to say this, but I guess newer people to the industry have a more difficult time knowing that they can sell that firearm. You know, I mean, there's a mm -hmm. lot for guns. It's it, I don't want to say easy, but it's easy to sell a firearm. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like just that regret buyer's remorse or whatever mm -hmm. happens a lot. Happens a lot. It, it does. It does. And, and I always tell the ladies in our class, because I get a lot of ladies who, who have the basic pistol class or concealed care, which I think is awesome. I, I think that women are the biggest, um, most underserved market in the 2A community. And I love it when my classes are at least half full of women. I, took a, I, I taught a class, I don't know, about a month or so ago, um, basic pistol. We had 12 people in it, all of them ladies. And it was, it was awesome. And they were great. I like teaching ladies because they have no bad habits. And I would always tell classes with girls with guys and girls i said the guys the girls will out shoot you 
every because time. they have no preconceived notions. They have no ha- bad habits. They their first magazine will be priceless. They have no ego. They have no ego. Yep, yep, that's absolutely true. But what I what I like to tell them is, don't ever get a gun just because your husband, brother, boyfriend, whoever it was told you you have to get this little micro pink gun. Uh uh-uh. uh Get what you think is going to work for you. Yeah. Try out the guns you think are going to work for you. Think about how you're going to carry it. Don't fall under the trap of I have to buy this little pink 380. Maybe that's what you want, but maybe not. Maybe you want a Glock 17. That's okay. Maybe you want something else. Pick out what you want for you. Yeah. I think a lot of people judge um, females pretty quick and they're like, oh, you need a small gun. Like you said, you need a micro, you need 380, you need whatever. And that's so not true depending on their their hand size or skill level, their comfortability. I mean, yep. for me, like I, I, I don't want a small gun. I love 1911s. One day I want a 2011 carry. Um, nice. The Walter is now game changer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just all that. Oh, Atlas makes them, and I don't know if they're public or anything, but I've seen a couple friends that have the 2011 Atlases, and I'm like, I need to. Mm. Well, I was in, I was in Montana back in October with a, a Blackhawk Media event, and they had Staccato up there, and we got to shoot the Staccato 2011s up there. Nice. They're game changers. You don't have 2011, do you? I don't. You need one. I do need one. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 there are certain guns. There are certain guns. I think every gun owner should have at least one of them. One of them is either 1911 or 2011. Yep. Just, you should have one just not to shoot it. Oh. <laughs> yep. You should have, you should own a Glock. Yes. Yeah. A Glock. Okay. I own two. I have a 17 and I have a 44, which I love the way Glock numbers in a guns. A 44 is a 22. Wait, what? <laughs> I have to tell this story. I haven't been able to tell the story on public at all. Okay. Okay. I get pulled over with Malin, my best friend Malin, from, from okay. a match. I'm literally leaving a match, going to my uncle's house in Mississippi. They pull me over because I had a license plate tag cover, which is legal in Florida, legal in Mississippi, and they use that to pull me over. And I've got 500,000 guns in the back seat, right? Right. Um, and they saw my uncle, my uncle chose that day to give me his rifle with a scope on it, no case, just to sit in my back seat to sign in for him. And I'm like, shit. So I get pulled over and the guy starts talking guns with me, right? He's like, oh, I've got the new Glock 22. And I was like, you mean the Glock 44? And he's like, no, the new 22. I was like, no, no, no. You have the Glock 44, which shoots 22. And like, yes. He was so pissed off that I was right. I was like, well, it's, I kind of do this a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a who's on first thing. Yeah, yeah. I had to share that because it was like an argument. I was like, no. That's oh, yeah. Oh, and we use, the, we use the Glock 44s as our rental guns for concealed carry qualification for those who didn't bring their own. And I had to stop when I, when I explained that at the beginning. I said, okay, use a Glock 44. Hang on. It's not a 44 mag because I'll see people go, because <gasps> yeah. that's a big gun. They don't want to shoot that big gun. No, no, no. It's a 22. It's just called a 44. And then I get into the whole discussion about the patent numbers and all of that with Glock. And that leads into you know, that people can, I guess, kind of see them go, oh, all right, all right, I, I, that's fine. But the Glock 44 number, I don't understand why. Had, why couldn't they just had one more patent and made the 40, maybe even 45 would have been bad too, but like a 46. There's no 46 caliber. That would have been easy to figure it out. But, yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yep. Okay. So, all right. And I'm still on the concealed car. I just love talking about this topic. Oh, it's okay. That's great. I was gonna say the the biggest thing for women, and I know that's a big difference, is like the clothing. But I want you to share in for you, like, did you have to get a new belt? Did you? How many holsters mm. did you go through? Did you change your your attire? You know what changed for you? Yeah, um, I, my attire changed slightly. Now I think it's easier for guys to conceal carry than it is for girls to conceal carry. It's just not fair for you all. I understand that because you don't have pockets and belt loops. I know you don't have pockets and belt loops. Exactly right. And and um it's unfortunate because that does make it more difficult for you. I applaud the companies who have tried valiantly to give you solutions to that. Um and even the ones that aren't that great are better than what you had before. Yes. So 
I appreciate those, like the, the whole can-can concealment and um, flashbang uh, holsters. And yeah, you know, I don't know what you're, what you're feeling about those holsters is like, what's that? 511 even changed the game with their capri shorts that you can shoot yeah. belt loops. Like that was awesome. Yeah, the tactical yoga pants. Yep. Uh, wear them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it, it is more difficult for ladies. And so for me, I just had to realize a couple of things. One is I'm a little more, uh, a little, shall I say, robust in front. Okay. A little, little, I have a little fatty tissues in front. So appendix carry for me wasn't going to work. Yep. It just wasn't. Yep. And not only was it going to be hard to, to conceal the print, but also when I sit down and gouges my leg, well, that's not exactly the best mindset. So I don't want, I mean, I don't want that ouch every time I sit down. So I had to say, okay, I'm, I don't want that anymore. What can I do instead? Well, I didn't want a three o'clock because that's too obvious. So I, I, I four o'clock strong side because I'm right, I'm right-handed. So I have four o'clock strong side. Now my particular uh, holster I use, um, I will go between a crossbreed reckoning, which is what I have more than one of those, and an LAS gear um, holster, depending on what I'm carrying and how I, what I'm wearing that day. Yeah. Both of them have the claw attached to it, which typically is only found in appendix carry. But I like having the claw back in the back too because it does move that grip just another half inch away out of the way from the, from the cover garment so it is easier to conceal and i, I don't worry about it as much yeah. being back there yet i can still get back there and get a good grip if i need it yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm good about that because it is far enough away from the from my side or from my back that it does stick out enough i can get my thumb behind it and, and get it out quickly if i need it yeah. so that's i wasn't concerned about it at first i thought well is it too close but it's fine so those are my two that i carry the most um i will occasionally carry the um the Weber Tactical Trifecta. If you haven't tried that, it's pretty cool. It's, a, it's called Trifecta because it's inside the waistband and outside the waistband, appendix and strong side, and it converts with a, a couple of screws. That's neat, okay. Yeah, um, and Weber Tactical, by the way, is a uh, local company here in O'Fallon, Missouri. So. I've got Adam, we, three gunners know him. <laughs> oh, Adam, yeah, you know Adam, yeah. Okay, excellent, yep. excellent. Um, but I had to also think about cover garments yeah. because um, I, traditionally wear a lot of tucked in shirts. Well, that's difficult to still carry with tucked in. So I had to think about, okay, I got to untuck my shirt. Well, do I have the, enough of that type of shirt to do that? And it turns out I didn't, so I needed to get some. So there was some altercations in my, or alterations, I should say, in my wardrobe because of that. Also, I found that I had to think about how do I conceal with a jacket, which was a lot easier than with that one. Oh. It's easier to conceal in the fall, winter. That's a breeze. I love the fall, winter. Ah, uh, absolutely. I'll awesome. carry my, I'll carry my, my Glock 17. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Husky people win on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. Husky folks were fantastic on that. You know? So even the skinny dudes, the same way. So yeah, they're all right, too. But uh, so I did think about that. And I, and I did get heavier belts mm -hmm. because you know, uh, belts from Walmart or Dillard's or wherever, that doesn't cut it. They're not thick enough. They're not strong enough. They don't work. So um, they wear out too fast and they sag too much. All of a sudden, you got the gangster thing with your waistband way down, you know, down underneath. But I didn't want that. Yeah. Um, but so I did. I did have to change some things in my wardrobe. Uh, but not so much that I had to completely redo my closet, like a lot of ladies do. I mean, I, again, I feel sorry for the yeah. ladies because you, unless you figure out, I guess from the beginning when you build your wardrobe, if you're if you're concealed carrying, it's easier. But most ladies already have their wardrobes by the time they start concealed carrying. So you got to figure out how do you work with what I have. Yeah, I think, and we know the purse company is in with the um, pant companies, so that's just a, yeah, uh, yeah. But I and know accessories, the accessories must match the outfit. Oh, I'm such the opposite <laughs> female. So we still need a real female to consult with on this. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. I, know, I literally remember turning 21. I dragged a friend with me uh, to the concealed carry class. I knew exactly like probably four days after I turned 21, I was in that class ready to go. 
Um, so like that, that's a huge thing. And then when people take my class and they're like complaining or they're thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, those leggings, they're doable, but you're going to need a belly band or you're going to need some of their system. I know like right. the, what is the new one? It's concealment carry like belt. Have you seen that thing? Oh, I saw a thing for that the other day on Facebook. I saw an ad for that thing. It's like, if you don't have a belt, this is the way to go. Yeah. And it's a, it's this triangular contraption thing. I'm not even sure exactly how it works. There's like that's, three straps. That's the Enigma. Oh, the Enigma. That's right. And then I'm going to try um, Comfort Concealment. It's like a more female friendly. It's just, it is actually like a sturdy belt that you could go higher up. I don't know. There's so much stuff out there, right? But for yeah. me, I try everything so that way I can go to my students and let them try it or that I yeah. can tell them it's not an option. Right. Well, one advantage I have with the holster world is that I uh, write a weekly column for Shooting Illustrated and I do a holster review every week. What? Yeah. Yeah. And the companies send me the holsters and of course I get to keep them. So I have a, I have a, a Rubbermaid tote, a tote downstairs full of like 75 holsters that over the past almost two years I have collected um, for these reviews. So if you go to shootingillustrated.com and look up my last name, you'll see all my reviews, like 70 reviews, something like that under, under there um, over the past you know, year and a half, almost two years that I've done um, and some other miscellaneous articles as well. But so when I, come, when I teach my class, I have a separate backpack just for a sample of about 25 or 30 holsters I take with me. And I dump them out on the table and I say, okay, let's go over what's good, what's bad, what I like, what I don't like, what I recommend, what I don't recommend, and talk about why. Talk about leather and Kydex and nylon and sticky holsters and friction. All, all, we talk about all the goods and bads and uglies. Um, we talk about ankle holsters and, and uh, cross draw holsters and you know, the, the infamous Miami Vice shoulder holster and all of that. We talk about all those things. And, yeah. and I'll take the class through. I'll hold one up and say, what, what's good about this? What's bad about it? And we'll talk about it. And, and I'll give them my three criteria for every holster. One is it must hold the gun securely. If it doesn't, fail. It must completely cover the trigger and the trigger guard. If it doesn't, fail. And then the third thing is you must be able to reholster one-handed. Mm -hmm. And that disqualifies a ton of holsters out there. Yeah. Especially leather and nylon. A lot of them are gone. Um, and I will talk about how leather holster companies have done a great job, the ones who have been responsive, of putting either Kydex or carbon fiber lining into the holster, in the leather, which yeah. makes them stiffer, makes them better. Still not great, but, sure. but better. So holster men, eh? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a shield or a Glock 19 or 17? <laughs> Actually, I have 17, two 17s. Actually, that's like my bedside too. I'm looking at my safes right here. So I'm like, I have all these firearms. <laughs> oh, yeah. My like, father-in-law came for Christmas a couple of years ago and I and I put the I brought the toad upstairs. I sat on the table and I said, okay, pick what you want. Take three or four or five of them and they're yours. And he went through and picked like five holsters that I wasn't going to, I said, if they're in this bin, I don't use them all the time. So whatever's in here is probably a fair game. That's so cheating for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so cheating. Yeah, well, he gave, we gave him wrapped presents too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know, like, the, the shield was my first carry gun. Um, I love that. And then, I like, everybody else, I feel like I went to Glocks, and now I'll mm -hmm. be with the Walther. And I think I'm curious still of the SIG 365. I just haven't purchased one yet, but. Yeah, I've shot it, and I like it, but I don't know if I'm ready to replace my shield with it or not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed with the Walther PDP. When you touch that gun, game over. I have not shot that yet. I'm, I drool over the ones we have. Oh man, we have them in the store and I drool every time I see one. I need to go downstairs and shoot one yes. to get that on my system. <laughs> I say that. Walther. <laughs> I love Walthers. They're, they're awesome. They're a game changer. Um, oh gosh. So I'll digress on that. So yeah. Okay. 
So we've got the mental prep, we've got the host position, we've got kind of the game plan with family, friends, what have you, right? So um, the other thing is, and we can talk about it actually, because we've already mentioned it. Why is it so important to carry on your body if you can versus purse carrier off body? Yeah, I, I do a whole section about this in my, in my classes because that is so, so, so critical. Um, the Reader's Digest version, the short version is... No, no, no. It's on, short no, it's on the long version? Okay, no, no. long version is... Over here to learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you are, if you carry your gun off body, you have to be in control of that bag, purse, whatever it is, all of the time. That's the first problem with it. Because if, like if, for the ladies, if you have it in your purse... And, and you go out to dinner with somebody and you, and you have a habit of putting that purse on the back of your chair. Nope, not anymore. Because somebody walks by, grabs the purse. They really just want your purse, but now they have your gun too. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. And that gun has just walked away. We watch right? movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, same thing if you're walking on the street and you get a purse snatcher or a mugger. And you, you, brought, you brought the gun with you to defend against that. But now the gun is in the bag that the purse snatcher just took. There's a problem with that. Okay. The second big problem with it is it's much more difficult to get to the gun, even if it's still on you. If it's in a purse or a bag or a backpack where it's behind you, you've got to swivel that around, figure out which pocket it was in, even though you've positioned your bag just right so you know when you turn around, the pocket's right on top. Go in there, grab it. And by the way, it's assuming that your attacker is not on top of you, preventing you from doing this. Mm-hmm. So if your if your attacker is on you, or you are you fall on your back and the backpack's behind you, you've got to figure out how to manipulate that to get it to get it in a position where you can draw the gun. So that's a problem. So there's there's those are the two main issues with with um, with off body carry. The third one is if you ever forget to take out your bag, and you go through TSA. Whoops. Okay, and not and, and I don't think it happens often, but. Just imagine if it ever I did. Friend, I have my friend, her, her gun went to prison for a bit. She didn't get the ammo back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that bad things happen. Shooting. Yeah, didn't yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, the other thing with, with purse carry in particular, if you have no choice and you have to carry in a purse, get a purse that has a dedicated slot for your gun. Not one where your gun goes in with everything else, your wallet, your keys, your cell phone, whatever it is you keep in your purse. There, I've heard story after story of somebody with kids. The kids will reach in looking for a piece of candy or whatever it is, and they pull a trigger and bang, and either they shoot themselves or they shoot somebody else. There's a case here in Missouri a couple of years ago where this three-year-old girl reached in to get a piece of candy or something out of her bag, shot and killed her mom in the driver's seat of the car, shot her in the head. Can you imagine living with that your life that no. that's your whole life you, you i killed my mom by accident that'd yeah. be horrible the, the the psychological ramifications of that are, are just uh, astonishing so there's a whole lot of reasons not to ever carry off body if you have if you carry on body the beauty of that is you always have control over your gun mm-hmm. um even if it's behind you and say well somebody walk up behind you and, and, and grab it out yeah if they know it's there but if they don't know it's there they have no idea they're not going to walk up behind you and start looking for a gun behind everybody's back, lifting shirt tails. Mm-hmm. So they, know, they don't even know it's there. And if you do get knocked down or if you're in the middle of a fight, and you're grappling with somebody, you still have access to your gun right there where you need it, right there by your hand, whether it's appendix carry or behind you on your side. It's there where you need it. And that's the key to 
successfully deploying a gun in a, in a confrontation is you have to get to it. If you yeah. can't get to it, there's no point. I don't like crossbody carry either because if you reach across, you're revealing where your gun is and the other person just go like this you're and pinch your hand and you're done. Yep. Now they know where the gun is, they can get to it and you can't. Yeah. I think the, oh goodness, I was going to say the, the draw is huge. The other thing, okay, how many people do we know that really does practice their draw? Probably like 0.0001% probably does. Oh, it's, yeah. It's almost nobody. It's bad. So then if you think about, I remember someone brought their, their purse carry, whatever holster in their bag and was like, okay, go ahead, go practice that. Go somehow get it out of retention because it's not retended. It's just in there. So now you got to hold this and pull this, tell the attacker, hang on. Right. Um, now let's yeah, don't, don't hit me yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's add groceries, let's add wrangling a kid. I mean, all of the things that, that women really do a lot um, often and wrong. And, you know, that's not ideal. So even with purses, right? Uh, my setup is the, the child setup. I wear a little purse backpack because I carry on my body, but that gives my hands free. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and I always su suggest to the ladies, even whether you carry a purse or anything like that, do it cross. Yep. Because cross, it's, 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 you're, gonna you're gonna deter people from taking it and you have more control over it. Yeah. But the cross can't get in the direction of where you're firing, so it needs to go the other way. Right. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always make sure it's not obscuring or obstructing the gun yeah. coming out of the holster. And practice. Maybe with dry fire first or dummy rounds. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. huge. Um, okay. So let's get into crossbreed. Okay. So you and I met, um, I guess, online, really, like most of us in the community. Mm -hmm. We're all friends. And then yeah. I started writing, gosh, I want to say almost three years now in the, this coming month for Wideners here in Tennessee when I was in Florida still. And then I saw you writing for Crossbreed and I was like, you know what, David, I want somebody else to write for Crossbreed. I'm addicted to writing. I don't know why I never planned for it. Kind of like you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That wasn't my, that wasn't my life. <laughs> so how did that connection happen for you? With Crossbreed? Yeah. So I was um, the content marketing manager for Proper. Um, and I, I have done a lot of marketing. Well, let, me, let me go way back. So I got out of college with my criminology degree. And because this is an important part of the story. And I started working for a Saturn retailer here in St. Louis, back where the Saturn, the car company. And uh, my manager realized that I could write. And I, because I did all of the in-store advertising for the company, for our dealership. And so I realized, I realized, oh, I kind of like this. And my, my mother and grandmother were both English majors. And so I could not get away from it if I tried. <laughs> from the womb, it was, it was here. Okay. So there was that. So going way back, right? So fast forward to that, to, to my first job out of college, and I realized I could write, and I started writing these marketing pieces and advertising for our local Saturn dealer here. And then each job I've had since then has been something to do with marketing or advertising. Well, then fast forward to when I was with Proper, and I was a content marketing manager for them. And through that, I made all these connections with various industry partners. And one of them was Crossbreed. And because we are a Missouri-based company, and so are they, um, Nathan, the, the, uh, one of the, the, the VP of marketing down there, um, asked me if I'd like to start writing for them. And I said, sure. And then about the same time, Jay Grazio from Shooting Illustrated reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to write, write for us too, because he had seen some of the blog posts I'd done for Proper and some of the things I'd done for social media. And so he, he kind of got me started with that. And that's how I started the whole holster review thing with, with Shooting Illustrated. And when I, when, I, when I got a hold of Nathan or Nathan got a hold of me, I told him, I said, you realize that I write reviews for lots of holster companies because mm -hmm. I get holster, holsters, holsters, everybody for shooting illustrators. That's fine. That's okay. Just be fair. And I said, that I can do. Yeah. So, um, and I will, and I've told Nathan, I don't like everything Crossbreed makes. Mm -mm. 
And he says, okay, I don't either. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Like, um, it's not going to work for you. And that's across the board. Yeah. Even sponsored um, for shooting and stuff. They're like, hey, you don't have to use every single piece and product of ours. We want you to run what works for you. Yes. Want you to go out there and shoot a match with something that's uncomfortable. It doesn't fit you. And I'm like, that's awesome. Exactly. And then when I was a brand, the brand and brand ambassador program for proper, that was part of my job. What I always told my ambassadors, I said, we'd like you to wear all our clothes when you can, but if you're not comfortable with the shirt or pants or whatever, just that's fine. Just don't wear a competitor brand. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was fine. Yeah. Um, and so we had weird rules about that, but some things just didn't fit some people. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but so, yeah, so I, so I got hooked up doing that. Now I, now I run Crossbreed's blog. I'm the, so, officially the editor. So, so when you approached me, um, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I need more, I need writers and you had a good resume. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's put it together. And so let's, and, and it's been great. So you and, and Travis Pike and I kind of run all the crossbreed stuff. It's been, it's, it's fun. Yeah. How did you and Travis meet too? Online, uh, through a couple of forums and a couple of groups. It was one of those, I, as much as I, I hate social media in some ways, it's also been very advantageous to folks in our industry, um, because we can make great connections. And um, even more than LinkedIn, because LinkedIn doesn't really, it's not, they're not 2A friendly, yeah. but Facebook is not 2A friendly either, but they at least put up with us yeah. <laughs> for a while. The other platform um, where I found Widener's, American Firearms, um, I don't, Ammunition Deep, all these companies I've written for was Upwork and is Upwork. Oh, okay. Huge, like that's should... a huge market. And so that's where I'm still contracting with American Firearms. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I should, I should look those up. I, I, I I'm going to write that down up for it. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Yeah. That was huge. Um, okay. So for, for Crossbreed too, and like writing content, mm -hmm. um, you tried out, I'm sure every single product line, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> what yeah. did you find to be different about Crossbreed or, I mean, I mean, I'll even show you too. Like I have mine right here. I'm addicted to this now that you sent me this, by the way. I've oh, the tuck. Yeah. Yeah. Super tuck. I tried the leather and the Kydex as one but it sits so low into your, your lines. You're not printing and then it's still a good grip and it's angled. Like this is amazing. Yes. Yeah. I, I so what I like about the crossbreed holsters and they're not the only people who do this, but they're, I think crossbreed kind of pioneered this hybrid blend is the fact you have a Kydex shell and all the benefits of a Kydex shell, but the comfort of that leather backing. So I'm not big on full leather holsters because of the way they can misshape over the course of time. Yeah. That's why I, don't recommend them to my students. They're, yeah. they're okay for OWB. They're awful for, in, for I, IWB, uh, yeah. full leather is, in my, in my opinion. Now, other folks may disagree. That's fine. Well, I don't, but, I mean, I, that was my very first gun holster because I didn't know any better. And it was, yeah. but as soon as it loosens up and as soon as there's no retention, if you bend over and the gun comes out, like game yep. over. Yep. The other thing that can happen too is that little flap up by the trigger guard can begin to curl over and all of a sudden that becomes a trigger finger. So you put the gun in and it goes bang. Oof, yeah. yeah, especially because think about this: a lot of 1911 guys will use leather holsters because it's nostalgic. <laughs> and how how delicate is 1911 trigger? Yeah, those if are you don't have that safety on, it's going to go off like that. Yeah. So if the safety's on, like you should be trained to do, it'll be fine. But if the safety's off when you when you reholster, that's dangerous. Yeah. So, uh, but I like the the cross piece because that it has a protection and retention of the kydex but the comfort of that leather backer yeah when it's on me and, and everything it, it flexes around my body and then you hear the whole bunch of click oh yeah <laughs> like yeah you know it's in there yeah 
Yeah, and, and I've been wearing crossbreeds for several years now, and I don't wear it every day, but I wear enough that they would have worn out by now if, if they were bad quality, and none of my colors have worn out yet. Yeah. None of them. yeah. Okay, philosophy. I already know the answer, but I'm going to have you answer it. So, okay. Um, why should you carry every single day, and why should you carry, say, even if you're going to the safest place in your head, which is your home or church or whatever you? So nobody knows when crime's going to happen. So you, and I, one of the slides I pull up for my concealed carry class, I pull up St. Louis City versus St. Louis County statistics <laughs> because people say, oh, all the, all the crime happens in the city. Oh. <laughs> Not true. Yes, they do win and win, okay, in certain categories. Like they have a higher murder rate than, than the county does, okay, okay. The county has more break-ins, more home break-ins mm -hmm. than the city does. Well, mm -hmm. that's probably a good place to have a gun yeah. is at home and home protection. So, but even if I'm out somewhere, carjackings happen in the county, just like they happen in the city, okay? I live in what would consider, be considered a nice neighborhood. Guess what? We have police officers. Those police officers carry guns. Why? Because crime moves, okay? It comes and it goes anywhere. So I live by an interstate. You think there aren't out-of-state people coming in here from, from bad, bad parts of, of town, so to speak? All the time, okay? So no place is truly completely safe. So people say, well, I only carry a gun when I go to bad, bad parts of town. Right. Where are the bad parts of town? We're, they're all over the place. And I don't mean, want people to be paranoid. I'm not saying you should always be going, oh, I should be scared of where I'm going. Don't be scared of where you're going. Walk confidently and, be, and know what you're doing. But be aware that it could happen to you. Gunfights happen very, very fast. The average, average life expectancy is as big of a gunfight is five to 10 seconds. That's it. It's over. So people say, oh, I've got time to go back to my car and get my gun. No, you don't. Besides, why would you go back to your car and then go then re-enter the scene? You, if, you're, if you're back to your car, leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're safe. Leave. Mm -hmm. So I don't like this whole mentality of, oh, wait, I'll just have it when I need it. I'll, I'll just pick and choose when I need it. No, you need it all the time. Hope you never use it, but it's there if you do. Yep. So, okay, we, we do have government buildings, unfortunately. So USPS, yeah. great. Um, but can you talk about like, and then this is probably political, so you don't have to touch on too hard, but like when you see signs up that, you know, have no guns, period, right? Like, what are your first thoughts to do or, or how do you handle that or how yeah. do you spend your money, you know? Yeah, part of that has, so let me back up. So Missouri's gun laws on, on um, gun-free zones are interesting. Um, obviously, federal law trumps all state laws, so we all have things like you can't go into post office with a gun. You can't go into federal courthouse with a gun. Those, those are federal. And, and state of Missouri can't help you with that because it's all federal crimes. Yeah. Um, we have the Arch here in St. Louis, which is our closest national park because it's a national park officially. And the national park rules are as long as you're on an open area of a national park, which also is in a state which allows concealed carry and have reciprocity. Of course, I'm in Missouri, so it's, it's my own home state. That's fine. I can still carry on that on the Arch grounds, no problem. Cannot enter the museum or go up in the, in the Arch with my gun. Can't do it. Okay, that's illegal under federal law. Missouri state law, however, under state governed areas is a little different. I don't know what it's like in Tennessee for you, but in Missouri, if I have a concealed carry permit and I go into a gun-free zone, such as a school, a church, um, a restaurant with a gun-free zone marked area or a county library or something like that where it's not allowed, it's not a crime. Mm -hmm. So if somebody calls me out and says, hey, you have a gun on you, you need to leave, and I turn around and I leave, no problem. 
no harm, no foul. If I raise a stink, which I'm not going to do, but if I raise a stink and I became a jerk and said, no, I'm not leaving, then they call the police. The worst that can happen to me is I can get a trespassing charge and a hundred dollar fine. Oh, okay. okay. And that's it. If I do it twice in six months, I get $200 fine. Three times in a year, I get a $300 fine. And my concealed carry permit goes away. Yeah. At yeah. no point do I get time in jail or lose my gun. So I tend to take a chance in areas where it's not a federal crime or otherwise explicitly told in state under state law that I cannot be there because it's a government building. Yeah. Um, so far, I've never had a problem because, I, again, I, I, I buy by the rule of if they know you're concealing, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So I, I, I will walk into um, a restaurant with a concealed carry, no concealed carry sign with a clear conscience because right. I'm not doing anything illegal. Yep. Now, we do have constitutional carry, or I, I call it permitless carry, because to me, constitutional carry is a, it's a misnomer. If it was truly constitutional, you can carry a gun anywhere, anywhere you wanted to. every day. Right. Anywhere, every day. Wouldn't matter where you are. You can own a gun because that's what the Constitution says. But You're infringing on. <laughs> exactly. But permitless carry, which is more restrictive, in my, in, in my mind, it's more restrictive than with a concealed carry permit. Yeah. Because I can go into a gun-free zone and not get in trouble with the permit. I cannot go into a gun-free zone and not get in trouble with that one. Yep. So, so if I go in the same restaurant with that concealed carry gun and I get caught, now it's a crime. Yep. So yep. Um, as much as I applaud the effort of, of permitless carry, it needs a lot of work. It does. It does. I mean, how do we educate? So anybody listening, hopefully you hear this one sentence, right? How do we educate yes. more people that the permit is more valuable than not having one because of reciprocity? I guarantee, I think, a lot of people on here probably travel, especially yep. if you live in the, I'm in the Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, like South Carolina or whatever, all that like border. Yeah. That's huge. And buying a firearm is a lot, I won't say faster, easier, but it is when you have a permit, you've already been background checked, you're, you're already in the system, you know, you don't have to wait, have a waiting period for some of these states. Some of the states are, I think one of them, I'd read too much. I don't remember anymore, which ones you have to have a permit in order to buy the handgun. Illinois. Illinois. There we go. That's a fun state. I deal with Illinois all the time because they're our neighbors to the east. State. The People's Republic of Illinois. Yes. You, so you have to get what's called a FOID, the Firearms Owner Identification, before you buy a, a gun. So you have to get, you have to pass this background check, pass, I'm not even sure what the requirements are to get a FOID other than being a citizen of, of Illinois and I guess a clean record, but you have to get that, which allows you to then apply to get a gun. <laughs> Once you are cleared with the 4473 to get the gun, then you have, I think it's a three-day waiting period before you can actually get the gun. So much so is, Yeah. And if you're in Chicago, it's even tighter because they also have magazine restrictions in Chicago and those areas, 10-round magazine, like a lot of California, like California and New York have those restrictions. Downstate Illinois, which is more of where we are, because that's across the river from us, um, they have no restrictions on magazines, but you got to go through all the state laws about the FOID and all that. I have some friends who live over there. They hate it absolutely hate it and i i've had friends say can we just buy a, a gun in missouri i'm like not legally nope nope, nope not through an ffl not legally there's plenty so. of open right now there's plenty of houses like I don't know. yeah <laughs> yeah wild. yeah wild i think that the other thing too like in in tennessee for me um the reason i carry in state parks is not necessarily people it's the animals and the there's creatures. that like, yes that's yeah you. and we yeah and we go hiking sometimes from the county parks and i think about that too i'm, I'm always carrying with me oh. Um, and I think about, you know, yeah, first of all, it's legal to carry in, in the county park because I have a permit, but even if it wasn't, you know, it, there's, there's not a lot of threat from bears in this area, but there's other 
bears are really kind of more next county's over <laughs> yeah but we have missouri has black bears which are pretty docile okay okay and there's a lot like you'd have to read up on it but um looking at what state parks you can can't carry in can you do it openly is it needing to be concealed there's some rules around camping and stuff which is nice where you can have a gun even if you don't have a permit but like even with um like cherokee national forest that's not federal or that's not state that's the cherokee indian property oh right a right. reservation kind of thing yeah. yeah those so laws apply those laws apply um and then if you have the reciprocity permit then you can still carry because you literally in the forest are going from tennessee to north carolina so right <laughs> right Where's the yeah the, and, the, and the reciprocity part i'm glad you brought that up because that's a huge thing too is the reciprocity people don't realize that that even though you can you can you can permitless carry in missouri you can't leave with your gun nope. uh, concealed you can carry it with you in the trunk as for the interstate interstate transportation uh, act but you cannot conceal carry so i my my wife is from north carolina um, and so we go through Tennessee and North Carolina, all there in Kentucky, and then of course that great state of Illinois <clears throat> along the way. And so I always tell people when I it, we have reciprocity in Illinois on one condition: one, you have to have a Missouri concealed carry permit; okay. two, you have to have your gun concealed on you in your vehicle, and you can't get out of your vehicle for anything with your gun on you. If you get out in there. Yeah, if if you get out, your gun must be in either a locked container, or the or the car must be locked, and the gun must be out of sight, okay. and the container must be out of sight. Um, so if you want to pump gas, which I'm not sure why I would buy gas in Illinois, but because it's like thirty cents more a gallon. Oh, I stopped at the border, and then I oh yeah. drive through that state. <laughs> so because St. Louis is on the border of Missouri, I fuel up right straight. You know, I leave I leave the house and I go up two streets. I get gas. And then I don't, I don't fuel up again till Paducah. I do the same thing. You and I have the same route. <laughs> yeah. So exit four is a great BP station up in, up in, in Paducah. So, yeah. And then from there, I'm fine. And I, by the way, when I get in Illinois, cruise control. Yeah, I'm I not getting pulled over by Illinois State Police. Uh, speed limit, cruise control. I don't care yep. how long it takes me. Mm -mm. Yep. It's worth the extra hour. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then once I hit Kentucky and Tennessee, I'm like, oh, I've got this now. I'm fine. <laughs> Freedom. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I breathe easy, but yeah, the reciprocity thing is really important because like, if we go, like I said, we go to North Carolina and, and if I'm there for a week or two, I have my gun with me and it's perfectly okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people look at constitutional period. So they're like, oh, that state has it. Well, some of them it's residents only. Right. Missouri's that way. Missouri's residents only. You come from somewhere else, you better have a permit. Yep. So if you're listening to this, that's the one thing you need to tell and spread the word. And we don't make money as instructors, by the way, off of concealed carry classes. Let me tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah. This is this, no. this much margin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching that's micro dollars. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is tiny. <laughs> we do it. We do it because we love it. And I want to talk about that in a second, but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, educating people that permit will help. I know it's a hassle. That's once in your life. And if you keep renewing it, guess what? The state just wants your money. They don't want you to retake class. They just want your renewal fee. Yep. That's exactly what they want. They want their 90 bucks up front, 50 bucks every five years in Missouri. Yep. yep. I just redid my Florida one from when I was 20, 21, seven years later at the end of 28. I was like, Oh yeah. Crazy. So in, in Tennessee, is yours good for how long is yours good for five or seven? What's it? It's five in Missouri. I want to say oh my god i don't know <laughs> okay see Never so heard. missouri missouri has has four options okay and i always tell people the scene from star wars where they say it's a trap okay don't pick anything except five years there's a five a 10 a 25 and a lifetime but only the five have, has reciprocity 
because nobody else in the entire country acknowledges any anything beyond a five year from Missouri. So if I, yeah, so that's the only one. So I always tell people don't ever get the 10, 25 or lifetime because it's only as good in Missouri and you already have permitless carry here any, anyway. So get the, get the five-year uh, concealed carry permit. Okay. Yeah, I did look it up. It is eight years. I was right. And then here's the stupid thing. If your permit expires, they give you another eight years to like renew it before it expires. So I'm like, if you're a procrastinator. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's talk about the, the instructor side of stuff. So mm -hmm. when did you actually, like, did you take credentials in a class to be an, uh, a certified instructor? Yeah, I did the NRA certification. So okay. for, for basic pistol, which also in, in Missouri allows you to conceal carry to teach as well. Yeah. Um, and then since then I have um, done additional training with the range where I work to where I, where I now do defensive pistols, one, two, and three and intermediate pistols. So I'm actually teaching six classes. Um, and I mostly teach the basic pistol and the concealed carry because that's where most students are is there's a ton of students at that lower level and then as you go up you, you're familiar with this as, as an instructor as you go up in classes you get fewer and fewer students taking them because they're not as interested in it's yep. like everything else like it's like kind of like going from from little league baseball to the pros there's only this this many pro players but out of the pool of this many little leaguers yeah yeah and so. I'm, i don't like I, I believe in freedom so when people listen to this I, i'm not trying to take this the wrong way i think like the permitless carrier and constitutional carry whatever you want to call it kind of killed instructors like as far as classes and it's not just about reciprocity and getting that permit but think about how many people are uneducated about how to use that firearm yeah so i think what happened with the, the permitless carry and the instructor issue bounced back i think what happened was initially before people understood all the limitations of permitless carry they said oh i can carry a permit without taking a class so i'm not going to and so all, so a bunch of instructors went out of business yeah. because they figured oh well i guess nobody needs me anymore and then people realize oh but there's still benefit to that concealed carry permit and like i started instructing after permitless carry was already in missouri yeah um and so in fact we we had so many classes in our range we had to hire three new instructors because cool. we couldn't cover all the all the classes it was fantastic it was wonderful and we were booking i was teaching almost every weekend it was great and some some actually during the week so it was it was crazy nuts how many classes we suddenly had and it's because people realize, yeah, I could, yeah, technically carry without a permit, but there really are benefits to that permit. So I, I'm going to go ahead and get one anyway. And yeah. that was great. And just like you said, there are a lot of people, we saw, we saw record sales this past year nationally in guns. Millions and millions and millions sold more than we sold in 19 and 18 and so forth. We, in fact, in 2020, we doubled the 2019 numbers yeah. for record sales over the course of the year nationwide. And I'm like you, I'm all in favor of the freedom and all those people, absolutely, I'm glad they have guns. Now, go get some training. Yep. And I'm not saying you have to have a requirement for training legally, that's right. not the constitution, but just for your own protection, please go get some training so you know what the heck you're doing with that gun because it's a deadly weapon. So I was encouraged when I would see people in our basic pistol class, they weren't there for concealed carry, basic pistol. They said, yeah, I just got this gun and I think it's my responsibility to understand what I'm doing with it. And I thought that's great because you understood the responsibility you had of buying this gun and you're here because you want to know what you're doing. Yeah. So when I see, when I see people brand or when I see open carry, it actually doesn't comfort me. Mm -mm. I hate open carry. I hate open hate carry. Open carry. Should it be, yeah. Should it be legal? Yes. Yeah. Is it a good tactic? No. You're showing them you're, where the gun is, how it's held, retention, your target. And kids like to play and mess with adults too. Like that's. Mm -hmm. and, and if there's a bad guy walking, if I'm a bad guy, and I walk in and I see you have a gun, Point bang, up. you're dead first. 
and yeah, you're dead first. Yeah, it's all of yeah. that. Whereas if you're if I'm a bad guy and I walk in and you're concealed, I may not even realize you're there. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the extra few seconds to decide if and what to do. So yeah, I think open carry loses all that tactical advantage. The only time I ever open carry is if I'm teaching a class that is kind of open carry class. Yeah. Uh, if I'm teaching basic pistol, I'll carry outside the waistband just because I'm okay. I'm demonstrating all the time. Yeah, I'm gonna demonstrate, demonstrate. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. 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 But otherwise, even when I conceal carry, when I'm at conceal carry class, I conceal carry in that class, except we take the guns out for the for the class itself. But but I'm concealed carry and my holster's still there, even though the gun's in the safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the open, open carry silly, but even like when I see people print, like I'm just weary of what training do they have? My thought process goes crazy. It's like, are they a resident? Are they non-resident? Uh, do they have a permit? Do they have training? Like, right. Who, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that, that's what worries me. I know how many, I know the percentage of people who actually go get training. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think it's probably improving, yeah. but it's not good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not good. Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged every time I see, like I said, I'm encouraged every time I, my, my cat's down here. Um, I'm encouraged every time I uh, have a, a room full of new students. Yeah. Um, never own their first time gun owners. I always tell them, I think of basic pistol as freshman level 101. Mm-hmm. This is a gun, but I don't know what to do with it. And I assume they know nothing. Yeah. And by the end of the five hours, they won't, they still won't know it all, but oh, yeah. they'll know enough that they can have, they can confidently go downstairs and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. The scariest thing. I mean, taking a cleaning class or watching some cleaning videos or asking how to assemble your firearm should be like not a hard ask, especially if there's so many employees that don't know how to do that. But um, right. there's so many people that show up, man, when you buy a gun and if you're already carrying it and you haven't cleaned it, you haven't oiled it, you don't know what parts to oil. Like that's kind of a, kind of a scary thought. Think about it. And like, I know people that have carried for six months, this is wild, right? carry gun fully loaded six months and they're like well i really don't like this gun i'm like why well i don't like the grip and everything i was like so you haven't test fired it Mm-mm. okay so you don't know if the hollow points work you don't know if full metal jackets work you don't know if like right functions i'm like what i mean yeah my mind yeah what if you're suddenly in a defensive encounter right now mm-hmm. what are you gonna do mm-hmm. they, they hadn't thought that through but because i think they have this idea that if they carry a gun it's like a, a talisman if they carry a gun then bad things won't happen to them because I have a gun on me. The bad guys know that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like, hello. The, the, the other thing that's so important, I don't know if you share this a lot too, is hollow points, some of them don't feed correctly. They don't do food feed ramps, right? Yep. Just, they're all so different. There's 800,000, right? Mm-hmm. Hollow points on the market. Yes. And so for people listening, how often should they test fire their hollow points? How often should they switch it out? Even magazines that they carry? Yeah, so my, my feeling about that is that whenever you change ammunition or get some sort of new ammunition, if you switch from a SIG to a Black Hills or whatever it is you're switching from or to Federal, whatever it is, shoot at least one magazine through your defensive gun with that new ammunition, preferably two magazines. Yeah. I know it's expensive, but it's even more expensive if, if it doesn't work in that one time in your lifetime when it needs to work. So because funerals are really expensive. And so I definitely say shoot at least two magazines in that gun you're going to carry with whatever ammunition you're going to carry with you because you have to know it works. Yep. And yes, every gun will shoot practice ammunition or at least pretty much every, every gun will. But as you, to your point, not every gun will clearly and evenly and, and easily shoot defensive ammunition. For example, if you're using a hollow point versus if you're using say like a honey badger from Black Hills, which is not, it's a fluted design in the front. It's not hollow point. That will feed differently in a gun. So I switched from hollow points to the, the fluted honey badger in my shield. 
But I went downstairs in the range and shot almost a half, half a box of it yep. before I knew I was going to switch. Yep. So yep. that's what I have. That's what I carry with me now. I keep um, SIG. Can't think what it is. The hollow. It's the SIG hollow point. There's the new hollow point in my Glock, and that's my defensive gun at home. But I also know that it works flawlessly. I've shot enough rounds through it that I know that it works. I have no problem knowing that if, if something goes bump in the night and I take care of business, it's going to work. <laughs> um, now, your question about switching out ammunition or, or putting new, new ammunition in, you ask 10 people to get different, 10 different answers. My answer is I don't normally switch my ammunition unless I, for some reason, I think that my spring is going to end up getting, getting loose on it. But usually a compressed spring that's consistently compressed doesn't get loose. Yeah. So, um, Unless my ammo is rusting, which I don't know why it would, because it's really good quality ammo, and really good quality ammo doesn't rust in ten years, um, really pretty much, even though it's out of its weatherproof container. Um, you know, it's in my gun and in my, you know, it's, it's, I'm I'm sweating on the gun. Uh, it's still not going to affect it that much. So I would have as much faith in my ammo today as I had a, you know, a year ago when I really put the, put in the, the gun and the magazine. Yeah. So good points to be listening. Like, I mean, even having a backup mag checking springs but you know knowing that they're reliable test firing them a bunch again mm -hmm. test fire test fire i had one lady who didn't have any other ammo so she shot her hollow points basically it went single action but single action without feeding so every single time we had to unload the mag bump the slide then she would shoot that round same thing and she was like oh wow i've been carrying this for this long while i've been running i'm like mm -hmm, you would have died several times over now uh-huh yeah you wouldn't be here yep not pleasant yep. So I trainer Chris Serino, I don't, know if you know, I don't know if you know Chris or not. He's a, a, a cop in Ohio. He's, he's a well-known trainer. Um, I was filming an episode of First Person Defender for Gun Talk Media um, back about four years ago. And one of the things he said to me some, during some downtime, just to make the cut for the final reel, he said, the, the street is the worst place to improvise. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's very profound because you don't want to find out in the time they have an encounter that your gun doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, find that ahead of time and either replace the gun or fix it. <laughs> and this isn't as applicable, but same thing with like major matches for us. It's like, hey, don't go test fire your ammunition in a major match. Oh, don't find out if that new trigger you put in works at a match. Like you don't change anything. Right. You go shoot 100 rounds before you get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To make sure you're comfortable with it and, and to, to know where your, where your release point is and your reset point. Yeah. Where's your reset point for, for your follow-up shots? It's, it's different if you put a new trigger in. If you put a five pound versus a three and a half pound, it's different. Yeah. And under I mean, pressure, you don't even know how much pressure you're putting on that trigger. Absolutely. And at, at that point, it's all just reflex. Yes. It's yes, muscle memory. And if your muscle memory has changed from last weekend when you were shooting a different trigger, yep. you're not going to shoot as well this weekend. Yeah. I, I tell people, like you said, improvising the streets is, is you're going to default to your baseline. So if you haven't been dry firing and practicing reloads and you've never drawn from that holster, guess what? In that match, you're going to go straight back to the level of training that you've put in. <laughs> Absolutely. You probably, you, you know, this is the drill where you've got the match or you got the stage in front of you. You've mo you mapped it out. Okay. This is targets here, targets here. This is how many shots going to need. Reload is here. You've gone through all this in your head. The timer goes off. You go, uh, <laughs> what just, where am I? What am I doing? Oh, draw a gun. Oh, wait, shoot. Wait, it, 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 that, that beeper, that little blue box somehow wipes out the memory. I don't know how it does it, but it does. Oh yeah. It's the, the, the men in black. Yes. It's, it's the, yeah, it's memory zapper. I don't remember what they call that. I used to always say that Blockbuster Video, you're too young to remember Blockbuster Video. No, I, I had Blockbuster. We got You did? Oh, okay. So oh. Blockbuster Video, I always said had a device in the frame of the door. That you would know, like three three videos you absolutely wanted to get that Friday or night or Saturday night. You walk in door and go, Duh. <laughs> you walk back out. Oh yeah, it was these three videos. You walk back in. Duh. Yeah, and it, it, it's like this mind wipe. 
they had in the, and I swear it was in Warframe. You know, I spent just as much time in Blockbuster trying to pick out a movie as I do on Netflix trying to find one. Oh, yeah. I spent two hours trying to find what two-hour movie to watch. <laughs> yeah. That's 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. Amazon Prime, just as bad. That is true. That is true. Any streaming yeah. platform, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, so, you, so instructing and all of that. So I want to know why you became an instructor um, and how, how it is rewarding for you. Because it's definitely not financially rewarding. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, you don't make a whole lot of money. You won't get rich being, being a firearms instructor. Um, it's got to be a side gig or you know, part of your gig. Uh, by the way, the cat might walk in front of the camera in a second. So part of life. here, I'll just, I'll just show you him here. Here he is. This, is. this is Gandalf. Say hi to Gandalf. Gandalf, he's floofy. <laughs> Very floofy. Oh, so he's a Himalayan Persian mix. But anyway, so um, I got into it because, first of all, I just love the industry. And I, and I love seeing new people embrace the industry and the, the the way that a lot of new people come into this industry is through training it's through they buy the gun they don't know what to do they find up some find somebody who can help them and it typically it's a professional although it could be you know cousin Vinny, but it's typically a, a, a professional who has a little bit of time behind the gun under his or her belt and they're going to trust what you what you say and that means that the person has the instructor has to be trustworthy we have to know what we're doing to be able to fill that that need so I was reminded of why I did this back in it was like September or October. I had two ladies come in my class. I made a video of this on Facebook, um, but I'll kind of redo it here real quick. Uh, a mother and daughter came in. The mom was probably in her mid-50s. The daughter's probably in her mid-20s. I'm going to guess somewhere around there. And I was checking people in at the front desk like I always do when they come in. And she was standing back like 10 feet from the register. And I got her name and information. And I said, do you have any firearms on you? Because we always check firearms before they walk in. She goes, oh, hell no. Well, that's a very interesting response because you're going to be in a, in a instructor's class or in a pistol class. She said, oh, I am terrified to just stand here in front of you. I said, really? Why? She said, because I hate guns. Oh, okay. Well, I'm hoping this class will help you with this. I had other people waiting in line, so I couldn't just stand there and talk with her. Yeah. And, I, and I got her daughter checked in. Her daughter had brought a gun with her. So we go into the class and we get going in the class and um, we get to the point where we shoot downstairs. And she took one of our little 1022s and she had the far left lane against the wall because indoor range. And I kind of see her. She was with one of the instructors, Phil. And I could see, I could see them kind of getting set up for this. And I could kind of watch her face as I'm helping somebody else. And she fires first two shots. Pow, pow. She goes. <laughs> big old grin across her face. Like, oh, okay. This is, we're making progress here. This is good. So we go through the, go through like an hour worth of shots. We, we shoot up to hundred rounds in that, in that, um, class and we get done we go back upstairs and she her complete mindset is completely changed and and her her daughter had brought her to the class so that she could overcome this fear so mom could come overcome this so we're getting ready we break the class we get done and she and her daughter the last two people to leave and i said if you don't mind my asking feel free to share what you want to but why were you so scared of guns she said well when i was in college two friends both died from guns one of them was murdered and the other one killed himself. Yep. And that's my exposure to guns. That's all I knew. And I said, that makes total sense yep. why you would be terrified of guns, because that's all you know. And I said, what do you think of the guns now? She said, I'm not totally convinced, but I'm much more comfortable than I, than I was. This is on a Tuesday morning, by the way. On Wednesday, ladies shoot free at our range. And I said, so what are you going to do next? She said, I'm coming back tomorrow. I already got more ammo. Yes. Awesome. 
awesome. And that's why I do this. Yeah. Because stories like that, people who have one perception of guns and five hours later walk away with that perception completely changed. And they're now fine with guns and they're okay with it. All of that bad education or just lack of education evaporates. And yeah. they are much, much happier now. And they feel more confident and they feel like they can actually handle a gun and feel like they can, they're not terrified of it anymore. Yeah. And stories like that just keep me coming back for more. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's like the, if you impact one life over the whole entire time, you made it worthwhile. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I could have quit happy that day. Yep. yep. So, but it just got me juiced to do, do it some more. So I, I love when people come in and they know this much. Yeah. And then end up with a head full of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, on the flip side, <laughs> what's the biggest challenge about teaching people? <laughs> um, yeah, the biggest challenge, I, I think, it's, it's two things. One is, is overcoming some of those preconceived notions. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always, there's always one person in every class who's kind of what a pastor friend of mine called the EGR, the extra grace required kind of person. So they just need that little bit of extra help. Um, and they don't know that. They're, they're well-intentioned. They they, they're not being malicious. They just need that little bit of extra help. Um, and I find it a challenge and a little bit of frustration um, the frustration fuels the. It's kind of like in golf. If you par the 18th, you're happy with the entire round, even though it was sucky the rest of the round. <laughs> so if you can help that one person, um, then then your whole day has been worth it. But they have these preconceived notions or these ideas of of uh, I know it all, or it's so bad you're never going to convince me otherwise. Yep. And somebody else brought them, yep. kicking and screaming. Um, so that's I think something that, that I, I, in a way, frustrates me. But then also at the end of the day, if I can change their mind, it's yeah, I've succeeded. Yeah. Ultimately, I've won them. They've won because yeah. they're better off because they sat to the class. And as long as they had an open mind about it and were willing to listen, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Coachable. Yeah. As long as they're coachable. And I think that's, that's really important is, is if students are coachable, um, they, that, that speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. That speaks volumes because they, they, I can at least work with them. If I have somebody who absolutely refuses, I don't have time for that person um and i have got to move on to somebody else who is willing to listen and learn the other thing that i find frustrating and and it's kind of funny at the same time you probably deal with this too is somebody who just will not understand how to grip the gun you show them the right hand this like this way the finger the grip the two thumbs forward all the you'll cock the wrist you you come all the stuff it's always men for me it's always 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 and i'm like dude i just left five seconds ago yeah and it's like this has dropped the thumbs have dropped and then the girlfriend the wife seriously is like spot on i'm like i don't have to bother with you but go right back hey it, because it's too much to redo your habits or to check yourself hey i'm talking like slow as crap check every single thing that you're doing right and they just want to go fast and they're slipping they're getting sloppy i'm like dude you're going right back to it so yeah 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 and and for me um it's kind of a mix uh, men and women who, who will get it wrong and but the, the funny part of it about this and my manager and i were talking about this a while back another instructor walks in out of the blue tells him the very same thing the light bulb goes on that's because it's the same thing if, if parents are trying to teach their kids yeah. forget about it like i gotta right. go out, like, real or like yeah you know. but if a neighbor tells him or a, or a peer tells him oh i got this yeah i yeah. told you that thing 10 times you didn't get it and, and I just look at it and say, okay, well, finally they got it. I don't care whether Phil said it right or somebody else said it right. Or right. Whatever it was, it, it clicked. Worked. Okay. Yeah. 
because I've had the same thing. So somebody else is teaching and I come downstairs to be the RSO and I end up helping somebody. And for whatever reason, when I say it, it clicks. Yeah. They said it 10 times upstairs and 10 times down the range. It didn't stick. <laughs> okay. They, they learned. That's all that matters. They got it. The other thing I see, and I don't know if you see this, um, and again, it goes back to women, is the fake fingernails. Yes, they could be a real problem when shooting, a real problem when shooting, because yeah. they're first of all they're not they're, they're not natural, so they're not part of the natural grip or or hand maneuvering of, of the ladies. I'm not even sure how you do it. I, oh, I, I have no pause. Idea. I would I would constantly be gouging myself in the eyes. Um, you know, got a little eyelash. Ow! Uh, I would. Just, we have the wrong female on this podcast. We had a real female. <laughs> yeah, just... somebody, somebody else who could answer that question. <laughs> Please, come on. <laughs> you can't get your thumbs on. You can't wrap your hands. I can't even shoot with a very minimal ring. I take the ring off, but that's separate. So I have yeah. to learn how to defensively shoot even with the ring on, which I do. But uh, yeah, it's just ladies, fake fingernails. Is that worth a shot and, and being murdered? Right, exactly. exactly. And and not necessarily a hazard to them as far as the, the being shot and killed kind of thing, but in training, the V-neck sweaters or shirts, yep. the, the cleavage brass, I call it. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. boob, the boob brass. And inevitably, I will tell, if I see somebody in my class pour downstairs, I'll, in the safety briefing, I'll tell them, okay, be careful about your shirt because you will get brass down your shirt. If you do, put the gun down, then do your little clear it out stance, dance, what you got to do, but put the gun down first. I think we need to make tactical bibs. I'm over it. Um, tactical bibs. Tactical bibs. And Did you see, there was a, wait, there was a, there was a lady. Oh, shoot. I can't think of her name. This, this young blonde lady who I'm, I thought she was being facetious at first, but apparently it was a real product she was trying to get. It was like this cleavage bib kind of thing. It was thick. It was ugly. I think, really? Who okay. wears that in I'll real life? I'll my students. I will put it on. You know, somebody's going to take that idea and run with it because of tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. I want to cut. I want to cut. <laughs> 10% for me, 10% for Kenzie, we're good. No, for real. I was thinking about it. Um, this is bad. Oh, and I, I saw it on a range on the video. But yeah, a lady got hot brass, live gun, finger in the trigger, turned around, shot her husband through the nads. The nads. Oh. It's not funny, but. <laughs> it's funny, but not funny. Funny, but not funny. So the other thing that I do, and Tennessee doesn't allow for this in their classes, like you guys have the warm up shots, is when yeah. I come Florida stuff or just in general students, we start with one bullet. Why? As soon as they pull the first trigger, they're going to want to turn because they're excited. They're going to do the hot brass. They're going to get scared. I've had so many instances, or not mm -hmm. instances, close calls with that where I'm like, that's why we have one round because it's fully locked back and empty. Yeah. Um, that's real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hang on. I got to let them know again. Uh, dog. Once. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. overall. Um, okay. Being prepared in real life is just as important as practice. So yeah, if you go into a range and you're like, all right, I'm gonna wear my tactical pants, my tactical shoes, my tactical shirt. Yeah. Like you're wearing none of that. How much right. success it, does It's kind of like guys who go to a concealed carry tactics class wearing an outside of waistband holster <laughs> and a battle belt. I've seen it. Yeah, like, I know. Do you realize what class you're here for? Yeah. This is not your Glock 17, four magazines, yep. ammo pouch, catch back behind you tactical no this is how you would go to walmart yeah would you wear that out to dinner with your wife i don't think so yeah you're not doing yourself any favors you're actually yeah. so i like that um okay here's the other question and i already know the answer ish but i want you to okay. tell peoples okay i don't care if it's a wife a husband or a partner a partner or a friend or whatever or dating 
when you go to a class um, with your significant other or your best friend or whatever, how important is it for you to separate yourselves, to learn from the actual instructor instead of telling each other what to do or listening to the other one? You paid for a class. What should they do or come in with the mindset? Rule of thumb, never learn how to shoot from your significant other. <laughs> never, never. I don't care how great your relationship is. It will not, I'm not saying it won't be ruined after that experience, but there'll be a, a, a bit of unnecessary tension. Um, yes, you paid for a class because the instructor knows more than you do. Mm -hmm. So let the instructor teach you and your significant other. And you can compare notes after the class is over. That's fine. But I would say shoot in different bays. If you have different lanes, shoot in different lanes. Don't share a gun. Bring two guns, one for you, one for him or her. And, and be, act as if you are separate students who, yes, you know each other, you're married or you're dating or whatever. But for that class, maybe you can sit together in class, it's fine, but you are treated as two individual students. And don't, don't listen to each other during that class. And that's hard. So my wife, uh, because I work at this range, she wants to take some classes. And, and I told her, I said, don't take them from me. Take yep. them from one of the instructor classes, other instructors, because I don't want to teach your class, because I don't want to teach you. Yep. And she says, oh, I don't want you to teach me. And I wasn't insulted by that, because I knew why she was saying that. Because even, even, you know, we have a great relationship, but in, in the classroom that can change. And that I am all for taking those classes either independently on different days, or if you're going to take them, ignore each other yeah. for four hours. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. I don't know how else to tell you it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's don't, don't ever learn how, I and mean, it's great to go out on date nights and go shoot whatever. It's fine. But for actual real instruction, yeah. don't teach each other. doesn't yeah. work. Hopefully someone heard that. That's huge. Um, it helps the instructor out, but I'm telling you why you'll learn more. I don't know why, but the better listener is going to come out with better stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. Soon. And the, the other thing too, is that especially for guys, I mean, <laughs> I, I, we have egos mm -hmm. and they're delicate <laughs> and we will try to one up in front of our significant other. Yeah. That doesn't help the learning process. It stops the learning process. Guys don't do that. I know it's hard. I'm as guilty as anybody. Just don't do it. So I have a quick story on that. Um, so we go over cartridges in my class and we go over the box has it, the stamp on the actual casing and the barrel, not mm -hmm. the slide, not the gun, the barrel, right? Mm -hmm. So wife or fiance at the time, but now what husband, wife. So wife listens intently and her friend so well, we go to the range and I was noticing that this gun, the Glock was not extracting well. And it seemed like a loud boom. And then I looked down and picked up each piece of brass huge swelling brass Glock 40 shooting nine mil ammo. Yeah. So he didn't listen. So I was like, what ammo after two shots? I was like, hold on. What ammo are you shooting? Right. Box was like, you don't even have a nine mil pistol here. And he was like, oh. well, he didn't listen. And that can happen to anyone. The other thing that I hate is that, and, and it can happen to me and it can happen to other people is like, we're around guns every single day. I touch one every single day. I practice with something every single day. Mm -hmm. Complacency will could be a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, that's so important because there's a difference between being confident and being overconfident with a gun, being so comfortable that you almost treat like a toy. Yeah. And, oh, I know it's unloaded. I, I know it's unloaded. I, I, I've checked. I don't care. It's a loaded gun. If, if I'm unloading a gun and I take the magazine out and I rack the action and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, one million percent that there is nothing in there. It's a loaded gun. Yeah. And 
I, I go we, every single class we ta- we teach. We go over the four fundamental safety rules every single class, even advanced classes. People have taken 10 classes from us already. And guess what? You're going to hear that for the 11th time, yep. the four safety rules. Again, we're going to make sure that everybody abides by them because if you don't, that's when bad things happen. Yep. Um, and it, it's, it's so important. And I, I have gotten as complacent as anybody. My, so my little eight-year-old, okay, who hasn't shot a gun yet, she knows all the safety rules. Yep. And I will go downstairs with her. She'll get to quote unquote play with the guns if I'm there and there's not a single ammunition anywhere, not a single round anywhere. She can play with it, but she has to make sure she's obeying all the safety rules. And yep. we play them in the basement where she can point against a concrete wall and nothing's going to happen. One day I picked the gun up and I accidentally flagged something I wasn't supposed to. She goes, Oh, dad. I'm like, Ooh, good for you. Good for you. So I'm feeling more and more confident that she'll be okay when she starts actually shooting the gun. Yeah. because she picked up on that instantly and I, she was right i goofed up no so i do i do take the photos the um the one where the photographer's in front and the gun's unloaded and, and there's a magazine all unloaded in there and, and we're pointing right and this happened i've been the photographer my friends have been the photographer and then i remember somebody's kid was watching they're like hey don't point a gun at someone and of course they're spot on practice yeah. safety rules and that's like a five-year-old at the time i think but yeah right. i mean photos but that's huge um I think when I don't know anything about raising kids obviously but raising my nephew with firearms or whatever is if they can't even tell me the rules and if they can't implement the rules and they're not mature enough to shoot and that goes for adults anybody oh yeah yeah see my my two older kids by the time they were eight nine years old they were ready to shoot they were they were ready uh, mature wise um my, my littlest one I'm not sure she's quite there yet but she's not far um she just turned eight in July so she's got I mean, she's she's got plenty of time in front of her She's curious, like every kid is, is who gets to be around firearms. And and I, we talk a lot about the responsibility of that, which is so important, so so important. I, I'm more concerned about responsibility than I am whether whether you can actually hit the target or not. Um, I want I'm more concerned about your safety and how you handle the gun than whether or not you can shoot the target at ten yards. We'll work on that later. Um, but you know she she'll be there one day. The other two shoot with me. Um, Jacob, my son, shoots me on a pretty regular basis. Um, my oldest one, Hannah, she's she shoots occasionally with me, but she's she's not really into it a lot. But she's really she's good. Actually, she's better than she thinks she is. Oh yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, but uh, you you touched on something though. I want to talk about real briefly because it's 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 very timely, which is the photography. Mm-hmm. You may have seen this pictures going on social media recently, past couple of days, of the guy who took the he was a, it was a class photo. I think it was five or six people in the class photo. They all had guns up here. I did, yeah. And this guy has gotten absolutely ripped to shreds on social media. And and I must say, when I first saw the picture, I was in there with everybody else saying, "Hey, what's he doing? What this is this is crazy. He should know better." All this. I have to call out the two A community for a second. We can be a very unforgiving bunch. That's true. Yes, he deserves to be called out. Yes, he did something that was at least perceived to be unsafe. He saw the feedback. He posted a video the next day apologizing for that video or for that, that photo, calling himself out on it and saying, I screwed up mm-hmm. and I will not post videos or, or po- photos like that ever again. And I should not have posed them the way I did. Yeah. There are still people ripping him a new one. Yeah. I think that the 2A community needs to be, has, needs to have a little more grace. Yeah. 
when somebody screws up, admits it, says, I was wrong. I should not have done that. And I will make it a point never to do that again. They should say, okay, great, fantastic, welcome back. Right, right. Um, it's so easy to rip somebody to shreds. It's, it's hard to forgive them. And I think, we, I think we need a little more of that forgiveness in our community. I agree. I agree. I know um, for us gals day, there's a picture of all of us, no mags in, locked back to even flagged guns, but we all had a gun because they're so excited they had never hold a, held a rifle, shotgun. They shot all these new guns today. So um, we took that picture. And I know people are like, what is happening? You should be doing this. It's like, well, we're excited. We're having fun. It's a little bit different. In marketing, you, you need photos. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the tactical, you know, have the rifle down and have your finger off the trigger. Um, yeah, you're just, you're not there. You don't know. Again, like we said, reaming. But I see all these different posts all the time. And now if I see your finger on the trigger, whether it's loaded or unloaded, that's just horrible. You're not shooting at a target. You're not right. engaging. That's different. Yeah. 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 It's okay to call somebody out. It's okay to say, hey, you, uh, there, have been, there have been manufacturers who have posted ads and on uh, pictures. They think, does anybody there actually know how to work a gun? Because I think it was SIG who had one several years ago where the magazine, the, the rounds were loaded backwards. Like, doesn't anybody check these photographs? There's so many people that work in the industry that are not in the industry. I had um, somebody sending me a bunch of pictures for content, wearing ears, full earmuffs and firearm and, and shooting. 200 photos wearing no eyes. No protection. Yep. yep. Why the hell would I post that? Whether it's uh -huh. in or not, that is going to teach everybody to come to the range and just forget about eyewear. What? Yep. yep. I had to, I had to catch that when I was at proper, we had a photo shoot that, that I, I knew I should have been invited to. And the <laughs> marketing director didn't invite me to it. And I told her, I said, you're going to screw up something in this photo shoot because I'm the only gun guy in the office. And I, I want to call it out. I saw the proofs. I'm like, no eye pro, no ear pro point the wrong direction. She's like, really? I said, if you post this, we will never hear the end of it. Yep. yep. She had no idea. She thought she wasn't a gun, a gun person. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's painful. And, and I don't write anything. I would love to be that person that trolls some people, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have time to troll people. I know. Right. So uh, people make sure you hire the right people and have the right thing and, and content can go a long way. And then, yeah, if we fudge up, yeah. then everybody else that's watching is going to do the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, coming towards the end of the episode right now, uh, for, for your teach, for your classes, you mm -hmm. want to share what range you teach at um, and how people can find more information and sign up for them. Yeah, so I teach at the range St. Louis West, which is in Baldwin, Missouri. It's a, it's a suburb of St. Louis, uh, West County, and I teach both the Missouri Concealed Carry class and I teach basic pistol most often and I also teach intermediate pistol, which we add some cool things like we, uh, add malfunctions and we add some other shooting things you got to work through that normally you don't have to do in basic pistol class. Um, so if you go to the rangestl.com uh, and go into the training tab, you can see all the classes that, that I teach. Um, I'm not sure if we have them listed by, by instructor. I also do private lessons, so you can do that as well by instructor over there. Uh, my, I do that part-time though, so because I have a real job, so to speak, <laughs> um, which takes up my, my yeah, Monday through Friday kind of thing, but my, my weekends are usually pretty uh, booked up doing private lessons and uh, teaching classes, so that's good. Uh, you always find me on Facebook. Um, if you're part of the 2A community, I'll probably friend you, no big deal, because um, we all speak the same language. So I, I, I love talking with my fellow gun owners, fellow 2A advocates. Um, I think it's great. I love um, just the community as a whole. I mean, it's, 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 as much as I derided them a few minutes ago, we are a welcoming group. Uh, we do we do a good job of I think bringing new people in 
and welcoming them on board in our community. So I think that's fantastic. And, and I, in fact, I wrote an article on the Crossbreed blog not a couple months ago about how to bring new people into uh, in the fold, into you know somebody who never ever shot a gun before has has questions. What do I do with this thing? Can you show me how? Absolutely. Let's go to the range. I'll bring the I'll, I'll bring the gun. I'll bring a box of ammo. Let's go talk about it. Let's do all the things that we need to do to get you familiar and comfortable with with shooting. And I think we need to, to to do that. One of the things that we do, actually, two things we do at our range is really really cool. We have the girls just want to have guns night, <laughs> and the guys and guns night. Nice. So the male version and the female version. And we, they go downstairs to the range itself and they open up all three of the, the bays, the 20, 20 lanes, and they have full auto, they do hand cannons, they do, um, if we have the, XF, the FFL license, license for the, the full auto down there, we have, I think, did four or five full auto um, rifles downstairs. Um, and we do uh, try different guns. We have like a whole arsenal of handguns and rifles out there. You can try them, the 308, 30-06, different handguns too. And um, and then at the end of all that, we put all the guns away and usually some local distillery or brewery um, and a food place will bring snacks for the guys like last last hour of it. We're up there socializing and same thing for the girls. They do the very same thing, but it's all ladies and then all guys um, and ladies usually have like a wine tasting kind of thing at the end or something along those lines kind of more frilly than the, than the, than the guys version of it. Uh, but it's it's so much fun. And we do that um, usually once a month, um, guys and the gals version. What? Yeah. What? People take notes. What the hell? <laughs> cool. That's not fair. You should, you should you you should come and see it sometime. I yeah, I need to make a trip actually. <laughs> make a trip, make a trip to St. Louis. I'll take you out there. Can yep. you go into Crossbreed like building and like check it out? I don't know. You know, I have actually never been to Springfield to, to the Crossbreed headquarters. I mean, I've been to Springfield, but not the Crossbreed headquarters, so where they are. Um, but because whatever I've met with Nathan has either been at Shot Show, at NRA Show, or he came to St. Louis. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Carol Craighead and all the folks down there, they're fantastic and they're wonderful. And, and, and uh, yes, I'm biased because I get a paycheck from them, but I, I work for them because I, I believe what they do. And, and they're a family owned business. Um, they are the, the cross in crossbreed is, is their Christian faith. Um, so that's where it comes from. So when Mark was around, he, Mark uh, Craighead started the whole thing, uh, but unfortunately he passed away a number of years ago and, and Carol's wife took over the business uh, and is running it the way he wanted to run. So she's honoring him in that. And it's just, it's a family run business. It's fantastic. So, it's, and I, I just love what they put out and I love working with them. Okay. So that's something I want to touch on. Actually, I didn't even know where you go there. Um, okay. For people listening out there, it's important, I guess, like to ask people or figure out where the content's coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't just look at a piece of content or a video and be like from a sponsored tutor or from someone with a paycheck. Oh. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's like, Hey David, do you actually wear the holster? holster right. Options are like, Oh yeah. Right. Okay um because that's huge every single company that that supports me in the three gun community and shooting and stuff i've used their product love their product recommend their product sell their mm -hmm. product like yeah before i even got sponsored by them they were already having the milk and cookies and then they decided to help me out which was cool yeah uh, so that's huge figure out like how do people how do people vet people or vet their content or yeah that, that's that's really good um that's a good question and, and and having been on both sides as a consumer of the that content and also a creator of the content because like i said I, I ran the the brand ambassador program and influence program for uh for proper when i was with them there's there's organic influencers people who are already wearing the gear because they just loved it and they got paid nothing and then they happen to be brought under the, brought under the fold by that company x uh, and then there's those who are recruited who are what i call well, there's two types of recruits. 
there's, there's recruits who, are, who genuinely love the company and they are there. Yes, they get paid, but they would never leave because they love what they do and they love the company. There's also what I call the gear horse. And those are the ones who will work for whatever company comes around and offers them a paycheck. I have no faith in those people at all because if somebody else pays them $1,000 more a month, they'll jump ship. Well, where's your loyalty? There is no loyalty. So those are the people I want repping a brand. Um, for those on the outside looking in, the consumers who are looking at influencers saying, well, who should I believe? Look at who they have been with over the past five years, 10 years. If they have jumped ship four times, eh, that, that, to me, they lose a lot of credibility. If they have been with the same company all along, they're probably there because they love, what, love the products, love the company, love what they do. I'm going to listen to them more often than I will listen to somebody who's just jumped ship four times. Yeah. Because that tells me they're in it for the long haul because that's a company and a person who, who I can absolutely get behind. And I'll give you an example is, is Mandy Bachman. I don't know if you know, if you know Mandy or not. Do you know Mandy? Okay. She, she works directly for IDPA and she, she's, she's actually um, uh, Bill Wilson's um, psychic her kind of his, his uh, secretary and, and, and um, admin assistant and scheduler and does several things for IDPA. And also by extension works kind of for Wilson combat and she shoots for Wilson combat's uh, team. Well, I know, I know Mandy pretty well. And I will tell you when, when she comes on board with a company, she's there because she wants to be. Yeah. Um, And, and I know if, if Bill Wilson ever, ever changed the way he did things to where Mandy didn't like it anymore, she would leave because of that, not because of anything else. Yeah. But so long as, so long as IDPA is still doing things and, and Wilson combat still doing what they're doing, she will stay there forever, and 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 uh, in my opinion, now she may talk me out of that statement, but I don't think she will, uh, because that's just the kind of personality she is. That's the person she is. Yeah. Um, I look at people like um, Jesse Harrison, who's with Winchester, or uh, Becky Leckley, who's with Winchester. Okay, those ladies are there because they want to be there. And Jesse with Taurus, ten years when we shot a World Speed shoot together, she was showing me that she shoots a stock Taurus gun. Yeah wants to show like hey it's not tricked out i don't rip apart like a lot of people do it right <laughs> it's no longer their gun no like she's like no i really believe in their product and their pistols and i want to run them how someone else would buy them yeah exactly exactly and, and if you look at if you look at um you, you know jerry go back to jerry mitchell you know he's 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 a mossberg guy yeah okay he's got his own jm series of mossberg shotguns he's he's mossberg for life P320 is it a 320 that he got or he did i don't remember the max michelle model though that just came out oh okay oh, did he jump ship from smith and wesson no, no no sig max michelle oh sig oh oh sig oh, oh max okay got gotcha. his own model now with his name on it so oh yeah 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 absolutely and 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 lena bitch like she's she's got you know she's sig through and through yeah. um and i don't think that there's any reason she would ever switch no <laughs> no so, i mean once she started shooting comp competition sig grabbed her immediately smart so, so jerry told me secretly i can tell you this on a podcast he's only secretly he says lena will break my records oh i'm sure because she is just that good and i and and i you know obviously having dad help her <laughs> helps a lot you know trade secrets i feel like it's like what is it um oh god i'm gonna sound, sound stupid like evolution evolution no which one i don't know it's like where we've never set these records before we've never been this smart we've never been oh this yeah what's smart. evolution yeah it's, evolution. It's, some, we're adding on to our abilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we didn't do. Shoot like World Speed Shooter, All of Steel Challenge. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catch up from way back then. Like, you have to be born. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it's kind of like in baseball. They say, you know, how would Babe Ruth do today? 
mm-hmm. how would Ty Cobb do today with the technology and the ballparks and the bats and the baseball different from what it was 100 years ago? Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, okay, so wrapping this up too, mm-hmm. um, are there any thoughts that you want to leave listeners with, whether it's on the content side or getting in the industry or teaching or all of the things? Yeah, I, I think that so for an outsider looking to get in the industry as a consumer, um, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Ask questions. We, we can be intimidating. This, this, this 2A community is full of a bunch of alpha personalities, alpha male, alpha female. I mean, it, it, that doesn't mean we all are, but there's a lot of really alpha people. Like you get a lot of, a lot of um, you know, people who, who, who are very gung-ho about things. And they could be a bit intimidating. And to somebody outside who's not used to that, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Don't be afraid. And to the, to a, the 2A community, be welcoming. We are already, but be, go overboard. Go find that, that quiet person who's standing in the back of the room and say, hey, you, you want to come over here and shoot this gun? You want to come over here and... and do this, I'll help you. I'll help you through that. With that too, you can keep going a second, is treat every person that you meet as if it was their very first ranger experience, whether they, it is- Absolutely. That yes, absolutely. Assume that they are uncomfortable there yep. and you want to make them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Assume, you, assume that you um, are the only person who can be that, that ambassador that day yep. and, and be that ambassador, be that welcoming voice, that welcoming hand that, that, that brings them into the range and says, hey, you try my gun. Um, try what questions do you have? Ask me questions, uh, and, and I will and take the time to answer them. That, that's huge. We need to be a welcoming group. And again, I said you know, we, we generally speaking are. I just think that we all, because we're human beings, we still have some work to do. Yeah, don't be afraid to say I don't know. Like when you made me Google how many years the Tennessee permit is, I'm not going to just rattle off number. Be like, hold oh, on. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Yeah, for those for those in the community, put your ego aside. Please. You don't have all the answers, no. okay? And it's okay if you don't have all the answers. Look it up. Yeah. I don't know is a great answer. <laughs> Somebody else probably does know, but I don't know is a great answer. I don't know, and I'll find out. And like, yeah, that that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Like as much knowledge as I know, I know absolutely nothing about this industry at yep. the same time. Yep. And in this industry, charlatans don't last long. Yeah. If you're a fake, you're done. Yeah. You will be found out. <laughs> that's true. So. Try writing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, dude, thank you for being on this podcast. Um, and oh, I forgot to share the funny story. So every time I upload a blog for David, <laughs> okay, this is how he keeps his job. <laughs> I see a picture story coming up here. <laughs> I, I give him photos and I try to put them in the blog and I use WordPress. I should know how to do this. And I can't figure out Tetris and the sizing and why does it work? So every time I post it, I'm like, David, <laughs> figure it out. Job security. <laughs> He goes, it's okay. I'm not going to teach you how I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm like, thank God. I just do it. It takes me five minutes. <laughs> of course it does. It's been 20 minutes trying to figure it out. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, if, it, if it helps you, occasionally Travis has the same issue. So don't feel bad. What? It's not just me. No, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Oh, man. So thank you for being on. Um, thank you for having me on. Workman on social media. Uh, do you have an Instagram handle you want to share? Yeah, it's um, the real David Workman. Perfect. Because yeah. there are fakes, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like celebrities, and I'm not a celebrity, but out of tongue in cheek, celebrities always put the real, you know, celebrity oh. name. So I might, well, why not? I oh. had a shirt, I had a shirt a long time ago that said, I'm they. Because everybody <laughs> says, you know what they say? Well, who's they? I'll be they. 
God. So if you want to add him on Facebook too, you're going to get dad jokes are terrible. They're just they're Maybe. So good. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes. You mean rad jokes? Horrible, horrible. So well, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Check out Crossbreed Holsters. Check out his classes. Shoot. Ask him questions about holsters. because He's apparently reviewed everything on the market. <laughs> Pretty much. And I have more to come. Yeah. More to come. Good. Good. All right, guys, stay tuned uh, for the next episode of the Radical Up podcast. Thanks for listening to the Radical Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Radical Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.